It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. <laughs> Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice. All right, so it is Rothman and Ice, but not really this week. Chops and Dave Biddle sitting in with you today. I will be here all week. Dave will be here a couple of days this week. Dave, how you doing? I'm doing great, Chops. Uh, got back from Outer Banks yesterday. It was my Ooh. first time going out there. Beautiful. Um, happy to be home. It's one of those, you know, it was, uh, we uh, had a great family vacation and, uh, you know, but it, uh, we were all ready to come home. So good to be here to uh, talk some sports with you, my friend. So you got to wrap a little Father's Day onto the end of vacation. That's right. Yeah, it wasn't much of a father. Was that just mostly you driving? (laughs) The drive was, you know, surprisingly not bad. I hate like super long car rides, Mm -hmm. and it was surprisingly not bad. Um, to and from Outer Banks from Columbus. So, yeah, man, highly recommended. It was a cool place. All right, that's good to hear. I moved this weekend, so that's what I was doing, which was tiring but nice. We're in the new house, so very exciting. Uh, First time homeowner. That's me now. I congratulations. Chops homeowner. So there we go. Over the weekend, there was some sports though that was uh, very important. The U.S. Open out there at Torrey Pines in San Diego. John Rahm uh, took care of business. Really, I mean, he did. He did a good job. He had those two birdies, and this stat was cool. So he he birdied the last two holes to win the U.S. Open, and no one had ever done that to win by one shot in the previous 120 editions. So John Rahm gets that done, but mostly because everybody else kind of fell apart on the back nine and in the uh, the final round there on Sunday. All these other guys that were Colin Morikawa, R- uh, Rory was up there, DeChambeau, the defending champ, and the, they just bogeys and all this weird stuff happening. And John Rahm was able to just come right in there. But what a crazy couple of weeks for him. He was at Muirfield and leading by six strokes, six strokes going into Sunday at the Memorial and then told he, he tested positive for COVID and he had to withdraw and the, you know, the emotions of that. And then that cut into some of his preparation for the U S open. Then he comes back and he circles back and he, he gets a major. So I, I don't know, fair trade, maybe, I guess, but you would have just uh, wanted both. Oh. Uh, well, I, you would take that in a heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, you know, nothing against our, our, the memorial here, but you're going to take the major for sure. Yeah. You'd want both, of course. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, he seems like a good guy. So, um, good for him. It happens on Father's Day. He's got a baby. Um, so, uh, good for him. You know, I, I really, I was surprised though. You know, I thought uh, maybe it was going to be more cow. It was going to get hot on that last day and it was going to be him. But you're right. It was a combination of Ron playing really well, especially, making some clutch uh, shots and uh, everybody falling apart around him. I mean, DeShambo, especially on the back nine. So good for John Rom. DeShambo and DeShambles. Bam. You can take that. Oh, I like Anybody that. listening, you can take that one. You can have that one. And we didn't get the Brooks and DeShambo uh, fight that I really wanted to see. I was on Bishop and Laurinaitis on Friday talking to Eric Reeser, and I was saying, like, they need to pair him up. I wanted a full-on Happy Gilmore, Bob Barker, fight on the on the golf course between Brooks and Bryson. That's what I want. That'll get me to turn on golf. You know, there was an interview a few years ago when they were talking about, you know, you know, they were making jokes about, um, you know, <laughs> if they would actually have a fist fight. And, and Bryson said, I think we all would know, all know how that would go and it wouldn't go well for me. And, uh, <laughs> and Brooks was like, that's right. Um, so I think Bryson knows that that's not territory he wants to walk into. Even though he's a buff guy, I think he knows that would not go well for him. In fact, I know he knows it wouldn't go well for him since those are his exact words. He wouldn't have enough time to do all his calculations either to, you know, figure out how to, how to win a fight like that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> 
That's right. Elsewhere in the sports world yesterday, we had the uh, NBA playoffs continue on. Unfortunately, I was not able to watch either of them. I probably would have watched that uh, the Atlanta-Philadelphia game, but don't have cable or internet at the house yet. It was supposed to be easy. I won't name the company, but it was supposed to be easy. Unplug the modem, unplug it from the apartment, take it over. They, they service the area that I'm moving to as well. Plug it in, do the coaxial cord, bam, internet should be up. And that's what they told me two weeks ago when I called them. But instead, I do that and I bring it there, plug it in, nope, doesn't work. I try, there's like three other coaxial outlets in the house because like, oh, maybe this one's dead, whatever. It's an older house. So I go around and I try all of them, nope. So I'm on I'm on the phone with customer service for like 40 minutes and they're like, well, the, the first problem is you can't have internet in two places on one account. So we're going to have to shut off your your internet at your apartment first and i was like well that's what you said you were going to do on this day when i made when i called you two weeks ago they don't do that so they, they didn't even like do the order at all they didn't do any of the work and then i'm left there calling customer service so hopefully the internet guy can come out there on uh he's supposed to come out tonight and i can get internet back so i'll have tv and i can i can watch these games but that's uh me airing my frustration with internet they, internet companies are the worst aren't they biddle I don't know if they're the worst, but you know, I happen to have a smaller internet internet company that I use, cable company that I that I actually like. But uh, I feel your pain on this. This is like you know, if there's anything that's more empowered, it's like more important than you know, other than like the you know, the absolute necessities like food and power and things like that. Like if I don't have internet, if I don't have cable TV or satellite, whatever it is, especially after moving, and I just wanted to sit I down and watch some stuff on yes. Sunday. And Saturday we have was a long f- day. I know we have our phones, you know, but yeah, you know, it's not the same, you know, at least you have your phone and you can, you know, just use your data hopefully. But, um, yeah, man, I'm with you on that. That, that's the most frustrating thing in the world. And it's gotten a lot better. I mean, um, you know, when I was a younger man moving into like an apartment, I would sit there and just be like, I'd be praying, you know, I hope that the cable is on time. I hope the internet gets set up so I can just, you know, and this is before smartphones. I'm dating myself and, you know, <laughs> you would have no way of getting on the internet. You know, if you're talking about like late nineties, early aughts, um, I mean, I guess you had if you could have a BlackBerry back then, but um, oh, yeah, you're, I, I remember stages that. of it though. Yeah, but, yeah man. So I'd be, I remember thinking, oh god, that, you know, if anything, you know, if anything goes wrong, please make it not this. I, I need my internet, I need my cable. So I, I feel your pain there. Hopefully, you get that taken care of today. Yes, and especially because JLo has to work from home, so she had to go somewhere today to to work. And I, I was, I was like, well, am I going to get like a credit? And they're like, oh, we'll give you a credit for the uh, three days of internet you missed. And I was like, that's like five dollars but whatever it, okay i'm over it not really you're not, you're not over you'll be over as soon as it, it's actually done it's one of those things don't apologize for it as yeah, soon no, as the internet's important. there i'll just i'll just like forget about it completely and be right. like all right and right. probably next time i move call them up and be like do you service the place i'm moving to and then just go through the exact same process until then you will rage yes until yeah. then you will throw things around as you should as i'd be doing as well so yeah, you mentioned the uh, keeping track of things on your smartphone. That's what I was able to do. So I was, you know, people were tweeting so much about the U.S. Open. So I was kind of had a through line through that. And then the NBA playoffs game started and the, uh, the Phoenix Suns in game one of the Western Conference finals, they defeated the Clippers 120 to 114. We're going to get more into the, the matchups a little bit. So I'm going to focus on these games more specifically right here to, to start off the show. It was like the Devin Booker show. Yesterday, from what I could gather, again, I wasn't able to watch it live, but he 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 did pretty much everything for Phoenix, especially with Chris Paul out. I'm not sure. Have you heard like what is his uh, timeline for when he's going to be back? Does anybody know? But I don't know. He's out game one. Devin Booker took over and the Clippers fall into a one oh hole to the Suns early. 
Yeah, I don't think they've said um, with Chris Paul how long he's going to be out. You have to think Kawhi's going to be back. It's knee. It sounds like if it was Game 7, he could have played. He's probably, it was probably bugging him throughout the previous series. They won that series. I think he played in all six games of the previous series. Um, and then you know they're thinking, okay, we'll get one game, let him rest. Um, maybe try and steal it. Didn't go their way. Chris Paul, they're being hush-hush about it, which tells me it might be something... Could be COVID related. I have no idea. When you, when nowadays when they're they they don't say it's an injury. They just say it's this and that. And yeah, you know, I mean he's in the protocol, so I mean, it's definitely COVID something. But okay, I, so it could be could be contact tracing. Could mm-hmm. be, yeah, he could have it himself. Who knows? Um, yeah, so I don't know about that. But um, man, the Suns have just turned into a crazy story. And it started as we all know in the bubble last year. They went to the bubble and just absolutely got hot and uh, took it into this year. You know, they added the two veteran pieces with Chris Paul. And Jay Crowder and, and, you know, and their GM was just named executive of the year. He just made those two moves, inherited everybody else, but you know, he, he put those final two pieces together. And of course they've had some luck go their way. You play the Lakers without AD basically, uh, and LeBron was banged up and then you play the Nuggets without, uh, you know, Jamal Murray, sons in four. Uh, <laughs> One of the one of the greatest viral things that we've seen recently, by the way. Um, it's a cool story. It really is. They have a likable head coach. They have a likable team. Uh, but I don't know about I don't know about Chris Paul. I don't know how long he's going to be out. But you got to think Kawhi's going to be, especially with them losing this first game. You got to think Kawhi's going to be back for games. And maybe they've already announced that. I'm a little. I'm not out of the loop because even when I'm on vacation, you know what I'm doing. Like when I'm not like on the beach or at the pool or something or out to dinner, I am you know still following my sports. I can't get away from it. I, I wouldn't want to get away from it. That's my hobby. You know, certain things I get away. from from I you know tried to take a little bit of a break from Ohio State recruiting chops but that was right. hard to do then I had to get back into that because there's so much going on like with JTT and everything mm-hmm. else but uh can't get away from sports and I never would want to get away from sports oh were you were you ready to go out to the airport and film him showing up in Columbus just you know I, I you know is this is this thing on can I admit is this is this microphone on are we live can I admit that I that I was not broken hearted that I was not there at the airport um greeting a, a recruit that I was that I was that I was on vacation. I was not. You know, sometimes if you're if something happens when you're like you know away from work, you're like oh you know fear of missing out. You're like oh there's a press conference you missed or something that was like a big deal. You know I feel like that was a good one to miss. Yeah, yeah, yeah if I'm going to miss out on something, I'm going to miss out on the. And you know he's a big time recruit, and we all in Columbus hope he becomes a Buckeye. You know unless you're a Michigan fan listening to the show, you don't want him to become a Buckeye. But like yeah, if I'm going to miss out on something, it's going to be everybody like stalking a recruit at, at the airport. Yeah, speaking of that, did you guys see that the, the uh, polos that the coaches were wearing, those, uh, I don't know, is it like a Hawaiian polo or whatever? Yeah. They sold out on Fanatics like hours after two. Yeah, the coaches being there, I think, is cool. And I don't blame reporters for being there. It's Ohio State football. I get it. I would have, you know, I get it. I'm not, it's just, yeah, I, I didn't have, uh, any, any regrets, Chops, uh, you know, of missing <laughs> out on that one. That's one of the events that, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that one. Uh, the Sixers won't be heading to any more events this year as they were bounced out of the playoffs with Atlanta winning that in game seven. So they win four games to three, 103 96. Trey Young didn't have that, uh, that good of a game, but really the story is Ben Simmons and how he plays down the stretch for Philadelphia. Is he going to be able to get it done? Doc Rivers was even like, ah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that when they were asked, is Ben Simmons a guy who can, you know, lead you to a championship? And he's like, I don't know. So Ben Simmons can't hit his free throws. He's like not shooting in the fourth quarter at all, like throughout this series. He's not scoring in the fourth quarter. You're going to need that from a guy if you're going to want to get past the, you know, the earlier parts of the playoffs. And I don't know. Is it time to 
untrust the process and move on from Ben Simmons? What's the next move for Philadelphia? Because that's really the big story out of that one. It's cool that Atlanta gets to go. And like I said, we're going to talk a little bit more about those matchups moving forward. But uh, for Philadelphia, that's the that was the, the headline that popped out to me is like with Embiid playing pretty well, even though he was a little bit banged up coming into the series, they just couldn't get enough from their other guy. Yeah, it does. You know, we're all prisoners of the moment that, you know, it's overreaction Monday, but, you know, when something like this happens, but still, man, it, it does feel like they're not going to, you know, even Doc Rivers, you know, you know, as you guys mentioned, you know, was like, you know, I don't know if we can win with this guy. Um, that's not exactly how he said it. He was kind of trapped into the question, but to answer your question, I know I don't think they can win with him. He has a mental block of shooting. It wasn't just this one game where he had an open dunk as a 6'10 guy that could have hammered it down to the point where Trey Young's getting out of the way. Um, I, I saw this stat that blew my mind because I, I was watching Game 7. We got home in time where I was able to watch most of Game mm-hmm. 7 last night. I This blows me away. So he didn't shoot at all in in the fourth quarter of Game 7. It's like, okay, that's crazy. Even for a guy like Ben Simmons, or, you know, scoring is not his thing. Didn't even get like a dunk attempt as the one that you know he passed up. In five of the seven games in this series, right. he did not get a shot up in I mean, it's absolute insanity to me. So I don't know how you can win with that. But then again, how are you going to unload that contract? He's four years left at, at you know at the max. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, who's who's going to take him? Hopefully, the you know, I mean, teams like the Chicago Bulls. I'm a Bulls fan. They need a point guard, but I don't know why the Bulls would think they could win with him. Yeah, I, I think I just, that would be the only I way. I, I, it's a mental, it's a mental block, man. There seems to be. I mean, obviously, it is with his shooting, but. Even his ability to take the ball to the rack in the fourth quarter has gone away. Like that's he at least needs to be able to do that. Obviously, he's always going to be pass first. He's going to be a very good defender, led the NBA in steals. But man, you got to at least attack the rim. And I still can't believe he has not been able to find a way to get over his mental block and at least occasionally shoot the three ball. I I, I don't get it. How an NBA player? I mean, yeah, because that's another thing. He's not like I mean, all these players that see sports psychologists now. He's not like Trey Young, whereas if Trey Young was having like the yips with shooting, like, okay, that would effectively just destroy his entire game. You know, they, the Sixers kind of went through this with Markel Fultz, you know, that he, he, he couldn't shoot and then there was that, but you're right. Ben Simmons is imposing physically. He can still do a lot of stuff. So like, okay, that's not working. Like, you know, sometimes. You ever, you know, the Bucks, when you ever watch a Bucks game and, you know, maybe Giannis can't get going, so he just goes like full fullback mode and he just runs through the paint. Do something like that. Try to get something going. Watch the basket go through. But yeah, you're, to do that consistently in the fourth quarter of a playoff series is very troubling. The NBA I mean, that's final. That's so troubling. I mean, five of the seven games, just to, just to repeat it, that just jumps out. I mean, I've never heard a stat like that. A, a guy that's a superstar, a guy, a guy that's been a three time All Star, one time was first team All NBA. He goes five of the seven games in the series without yeah. taking a shot in the fourth quarter, attempting a shot, not even attempting a shot. That's a meant, that tells me it's all mental. It's all mental with him. And you saw that. I mean, that's such an embarrassing play when he's got that wide open hammer dunk and he decides to dish it off to the guy who then is, is actually double teamed. Um, just a bad look for him, and I, you know, I just don't see how they are going to win with him. This, this is this would have been their year. This would have been their year to do it, and they couldn't get it done because the Nets are not going away. You have you have to hope that they're going to be hurt again <laughs> next year, or they're probably going to get out of the East next year. The NBA Final Four is set, and I don't think anyone called this one. We'll break down the conference finals next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Telling it like it is, even if that makes you uncomfortable. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Old school and new school. Joining forces to give you an education. This is Rothman and Ice. 
Guess that makes Biddle old school. Chops and Dave Biddle on Rothman and Ice hanging out with you on a Monday. Rothman and Ice is sponsored by your local Pella window and door showroom on Gemini Parkway. The fan, Ohio's sports destination. All right, Bid. So over the break, I was looking a little bit more into the Chris Paul situation because I wanted to know. So obviously he missed game one due to health and safety protocols with COVID-19. He did test positive, but he has been symptom free since he did test positive for COVID. I have no idea whether or not he's vaccinated. And I think the NBA might be a little bit more lenient on how long you have to stay out if you're vaccinated. But well, I, I have no idea if Chris Paul is. But Phoenix hopes Chris Paul will return, quote, at some point early in the Western Conference Finals. That's via Chris Haynes of Yahoo, which is a, not, a non-statement. I, I mean, I guess early implies games one through three. So hopefully he's back by the third game. I wouldn't call it early after you get into game four. The series could be over in four games technically. So hopefully Chris Paul could be back for game two and maybe at the latest game three for the, the Phoenix Suns. And that's where we'll start when we're breaking down the NBA Final Four. Suns versus Clippers, as we mentioned, Phoenix already leads 1-0. Yeah, as you mentioned, yeah, um, early would not be game four. You know, that's for sure. I mean, I know the Suns are on a roll, but still, that must mean they're hoping to get him back either, you know, this next game or by game three at the latest. We'll see what happens there. It obviously depends on when he actually did test positive. Um, again, they're a great story. They're led by Devin Booker. I, I didn't realize that was his first career triple double. Pretty good time to get it. Yeah. You know, game one of the Western Conference Finals and you have your point guard out. And, you know, not that Chris Paul is, is a big time scorer, but, you know, he is a good score um and and a fantastic uh you know assist man and he's clearly been the guy that's like tied that team together as you mentioned they were they were really hot last year in the bubble but you had chris paul some veteran leadership and something's clicked with them and they've been really good this whole year yeah, you know, it's, you know, certain, you know, it's not just uh, about having a fantasy, you know, basketball team or whatever sport it is. You know, the pieces have to fit and they needed a point guard to bring it all together. They needed like a glue guy like a Jay Crowder or a 3 and D guy. Not that he's a, just a great percentage from three, um, you know, but he's, you know, what, 33%, but, you know, he's an energy guy and they needed those two guys, you know, to add to their young core. DeAndre Ayton, wow, still. <laughs> should not have been the number one overall pick in that draft when you've got, you know, Luka Doncic and uh, Trey Young. Still, DeAndre Ayton is a, a really good player. Um, and, you know, he's coming of age. So that Suns team, you know, they're going to be tough to beat in the series. But if Kawhi comes back, um, you know, you still think the, the Clippers, I don't know, man. I mean, the Suns have home court advantage. They've already won game one. I still think if Kawhi comes back for game two, which I'm sure he will. <laughs> As you mentioned, they've got the that, Suns and four guy in the building. Yeah, then, then again, you never know about that. You better not start anything with him. Or you better be know how to handle your business if you do. Um, but um, I still think the Clippers will win this series if Kawhi is able to not just come back for game two, but he's able to, to finish the series. I don't, I don't think his knee injury is... Serious, but you never know. He has a, he does have a history of injuries, but you gotta like what the Suns are doing. It's been a, a really cool story to see them go from absolutely nothing midway through, really, until they entered the bubble last year. They were, they were just, you know, nobody even thought anything of them. And now all of a sudden they're in the Western Conference Finals with a one game lead. And I, I like that, you know, nobody picked the, this final four in the NBA. Nobody at all. And there's not a super team. It's just, you know, four teams and any, any one of these four teams could win it. And nobody saw this coming. So it, that does add a little intrigue to it. A lot of intrigue do it yeah and the nba i'm i'm assuming is hoping for la atlanta for their ratings sake this will really push whether or not the nba transcends markets if it's phoenix and milwaukee because that's the eastern conference one is the is the hawks versus the bucks atlanta also is a obviously it's a big market but the i would say the hawks are pretty handily third place in that city behind the falcons and the braves and maybe even behind 
the Georgia Bulldogs. So that'll be interesting to see for sure how they do that. Bull, yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt about it. I, they they were an afterthought even in that city until now. I think probably. Yeah. In fact, I forgot shops so they were like putting this down on the the ticker that, that oh the last time the Hawks got to the Eastern Conference Finals was 2015. I was like. What? That wasn't even that long ago. The Hawks got to the East. I don't remember that at all. How bad was the East in 2015 where the Hawks got to the finals in the Eastern Conference uh, in 2015? I thought I would have guessed a long, long time ago. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, Atlanta has never been, you know, that into the Hawks. I I bet they are now, especially you got that young superstar with Mm -hmm. Trey Young. And yeah, Doncic is better than him. And you could argue, you know, that they could have, I guarantee you, that's, that's a lot different than Aiton, even though Aiton's really good. It's at least, Pretty close with Trey Young and Luka Doncic. You'd rather have Doncic, no doubt about it. But Trey Young is an absolute superstar, and he has cemented that in the playoffs. So I'm sure Atlanta is going to take off now as a basketball town. But yeah, on the other side, the Bucks. That's what this is really the storyline to me. Is this is prove it time for Giannis? Okay, you signed that supermax. You wanted to stay in Milwaukee. You're there through 2025. They've done their best to put some players around you, but it kind of it's reminiscent of LeBron's first stay. In Cleveland, a little bit. Now, it, it's a, that team's a little bit better in Milwaukee right now than some of those teams LeBron had, and he was able to elevate those teams to really unknown heights. But uh, Milwaukee, for me, yeah, the, the, I said the same thing on Friday that Game Seven was going to be all right. Giannis, prove it, win this Game Seven, and now against the Hawks that are you know led by a really stellar player in Trey Young, but he's not quite at the level of Giannis, who's a two-time MVP in the league. Prove it. Make it to the NBA Finals. Carry this team. If you want to be up there held with the, the players like LeBron James and, you know, his ilk, then you got to do something like this and take this team to the finals. Maybe not even have to win it, but I would say against this Atlanta Hawks team, prove it. Lead your team to the finals. Absolutely. And him winning that game seven, his team, but, you know, the performance he had with 40 points, 13 boards, five assists, only three turnovers. Yeah, Kyrie was out. Yeah, James Harden wasn't himself, but Durant was just, you know, you know, put on a show and, and Giannis, his team won that game. And when the chips were down, he won that game. And the story would have been a lot different if they would have lost that one. They might have fired their coach. People are going to say Giannis can't win the big one. And now he's got a chance, a really good chance. They're the favorite. Uh, we'll see though. The Hawks have been underdogs. They were actually favorites against the Knicks. I remember them. They actually were, even though they didn't have home court, they were favored against the Knicks, but they've been underdogs a lot, um, this year and proven people wrong. So. But I do think the Bucks are going to get it done, and and good for Giannis. He seems like a a good uh, young man, and uh, it's going to be interesting. I do think the finals is going to be. I do think the Bucks are going to get out of the East, but man, the Hawks are not going to go down without a fight. We know that very much. They have not been an easy out. Change of pace to the gridiron. Next is Dan Lobby of Cleveland.com joins us for the latest on the Browns. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Always imitated, never duplicated. Your heritage sports talker and flagship home for Ohio State Athletics. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Movie references you may not get, even if you saw the movie. This is Rothman and Ice. Rothman and Ice here. Chops and Dave Biddle filling in today, and we're going to head out to the Brian and Heating Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. Dan Lobby, a Browns reporter for Cleveland.com, joins us. Dan, how you doing today? Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. Good. Uh, thanks for joining us. So let's jump right into it. We know the big storyline for the offseason was whether or not players were going to go to OTAs. And then with J.C. Treader on the Browns, it seems like at least in some form of solidarity, the Browns offensive players were kind of standing, standing with him. But they did show up to the minicamp. By your estimation, do you think they they were missing OTAs and will that affect them? Or did they seem fully up to speed where you would expect them in minicamp last week? 
You know, I didn't see anything that made me think that, that missing OTAs set this team back at all, uh, especially with the pace that they were doing everything at. You know, Kevin Stefanski basically said during OTAs that with, with the rules in place and all of that, it's really more of a passing camp anyway. So uh, they were able to get everybody in, get, you know, get the individual work they needed done, and, and they really kind of worked on, uh, you know, a lot of install stuff and, and pacing and, and tempo and, and things like that. So, so I don't know that this team really missed a ton by not having full attendance at OTAs. Dan, a question you've been asked a million times, let's make it a million and one, with <laughs> Baker Mayfield, should they extend him? And if so, when should they extend him? You know, to me, I think you do an extension with him just because you've got to look at the alternatives, right? If he's not your guy moving forward, and based on what you've shown, based on what he's shown you, you know, especially in the back half of last year and kind of the investments you've made in him, you know, what other direction is going to go? What are your, what are your other options? So I would certainly do an extension with him. You know, it might be best for the Browns to get one done sooner rather than later because if Baker does come out and turn the second half of last year into a full season, he gets a lot more expensive. Now, you know, you're not going to pinch pennies with your quarterback. It doesn't matter. That's a good problem to have. But, you know, I think they're going to handle some of the other guys first. And it wouldn't surprise me if Baker doesn't necessarily get done here before training camp, if this is something that maybe goes to the start of the season. And and then at that point, we might be looking at next offseason. But I do think at some point something is going to get done. Do you think they want to beat out Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson on getting, you know, before the number gets set higher? Do you think they're not worried about that? (laughs) I don't know if they're worried about that, but, you know, you're right. That's another thing to kind of consider is is each of those guys, whoever goes first is going to get his number and then the next guy is going to reset the market and the next guy is going to reset the market. We saw this happen a few years ago where it seemed like every new court, the next guy up was just going to get the biggest contract. So I think that's going to be a factor, but look, ultimately, if this is your guy, if you're going to extend him and make him your franchise quarterback, you, you know, you're not really going to pinch pennies. So I, I think they will be okay either way. I also wanted to ask about Odell Beckham Jr. real quick. Sorry, Bids. It sounds like he was looking healthy at minicamp. Are we expecting a full go OBJ at training camp and ready for the regular season? All good, all clear? I mean, I'll tell you what, when I walked around that corner on Tuesday to the practice fields and I saw Odell Beckham not only there, but going through drills, no brace on his knee, cutting, doing a lot of the things that you want to see. Now, he didn't do a lot of team drills, but to see him doing that individual work, it was a little bit surprising considering we're still fairly close. I don't know that he's going to be 100% on July 27th, but he's going to be a whole lot closer than I think we expected him to be. And, and it's not going to be long. If he's not 100% when they report that day, he's going to be 100% really close to that day. Dan, the Nick Chubb situation is very interesting to me. I'm curious to get your take on this. I, I mean, entering the final year of his contract, he is a fantastic back. I'm sure they want to resign him. But we also know the shelf life of running backs not very long. You don't want to invest a ton of money in him. What do you think is going to happen there? You know, I think he's got a sweet spot here with Nick Chubb where – you know, he hasn't really been overworked. He hasn't had like a Derrick Henry type workload. And if you were to sign him now to an extension for say, you know, four years, somewhere between 50 and $60 million, that's a lot of money, but you'd have this year, you'd have a couple of years after that. And then you'd have some flexibility because every, every contract in the NFL is essentially a two year contract. So you could set it up where two or three years from now, you've got some flexibility. If you start to see that decline, I, you know, I know the analytics, uh, 
bent of the front office, people like to think like, well, you know, maybe they don't want to re-sign a running back, but I don't think you can put Andrew Barry in that type of box. He really does think for himself. He does what he thinks is best for the organization. And doing an extension with Nick Chubb, I think, is what's best for this organization, not just on the field, but off the field, too. And I think other players see that. You know, Nick Chubb is everything that's right with this football team. And if other players see, hey, we're going to take care of this guy because he earned it, I think that goes a long ways in the locker room. Dan, I was. it's really hard to pick out, like, a guy on the defensive side of the ball from all these new faces. So that's why I'm going to point it to you. You know, you've got John Johnson, Jadavion Clowney the, in the draft, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Who is creating the most buzz of those new faces on the defensive side of the ball for Cleveland? I think, honestly, right now it, it's Greg Newsom. Well, let's go that way. I, I think John Johnson is a good answer there, too. But I think Greg Newsom, it, he lives up to kind of being that really athletic corner. I think he has a real chance to win that job. Uh, you know, Greedy Williams is going to fight for it. And Greedy has the, you know, the experience. He's got a year under his belt, but he's also coming off a lost season. And I think Greg Newsom fits really well in, in this Joe Woods defense, especially if he plays you know, a little more zone and, and not as much man-to-man, which, which I, he did last year. He played a good amount of zone. I, I think that suits Greg Newsom well, and I think, you know, they're looking at Greg Newsom as a guy that can play on the inside too. So uh, I'm going to go with the number 26 overall pick because I think there's a real chance he could win that job. My day do- my day job is covering Ohio State, so i got to ask you about Big Tommy Togi. I think that was a steal <laughs> in the fourth round. What's What do you think Big Tom's role is going to be as a rookie, Dan? Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I'm with you. I think that was a steal, too, in, in that round. I don't know if he's going to start right away. I, I think they're fairly set on the inside with Malik Jackson and, and Andrew Billings. You know, they have Jordan Elliott was a third-rounder last year, but I think Togi is going to push. He's one of the guys that I have circled after kind of seeing him in person. And You don't get to see these guys go through contact. You know, they're not going up against offensive linemen, but just – you know, when you're watching these guys go through drills, you get to see how big they are. You get to see how they move. And, and Togi, I checked so many of those boxes when you're watching him go through those drills. It wouldn't surprise me if, if he pushes for a lot of playing time in camp. And then if by midseason, he, he's maybe pushing to, to get one of those guys out of the starting role. I, I think there's that sort of potential there with him. Tommy Two Plates, as we like to call him. We're talking to Dan Lobby of Cleveland.com. And Dan, I'll get you out of here on this one. Is this the most hyped Browns team since they came back to Cleveland in your mind, and are they ready to handle those kind of expectations? Yeah, you know, I I think the most hyped team might have been that one a couple of years ago with, with Freddie Kitchens as the head coach, and they had just traded for Odell Beckham Jr., but it obviously didn't work out. You know, they went 6-10, and 10, they had the wrong people in place. There is a lot of hype around this team, and I think eventually it's going to match that, but I think they are better equipped because Frankly, they just have a better head coach, and they have a head coach who understands what it is to manage those expectations and understands how to how to kind of send that message out to his team. Like, you know, his mantra is all bite and no bark, and I think this team is bought into that. And you don't hear as much of that bravado and, and all that stuff that we saw leading up to the 2019 season. So I think there's going to be a lot of noise outside the building, and there's going to be a lot of hype building outside the building to those 2019 levels, but I think inside – I think Kevin Stefanski and his crew do a great job of just keeping these guys focused on what they need to do week to week. So uh, I think they are definitely equipped to handle the hype. All right, now they can go to bed feeling dangerous. Dan, thanks for joining us today. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. He's Dan Lobby, Browns reporter for Cleveland.com. He joins courtesy of the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline.
Who had the best weekend? Party like a Roth star up next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. The best soccer team in the land lives on the best radio station in the land. Proud to be your flagship home for the Columbus crew all season long. The fan, Ohio's sports destination. Let's all gather into the Kiki. It's time to party like a Roth star. Here we go. We're going to try to party like a Roth star. Point out who had the best weekend over the weekend. And, uh, Biddle, I'll start you off, and I hope I'm not stealing this one from you, but did you see the little girl who was so excited to go see her favorite baseball player ever in the Reds game over the weekend, and then Joey Votto got ejected in the first inning, and she was so sad and broken up about it her mom posted a picture on twitter of her basically just teary-eyed looking forward trying to enjoy the game her first ever baseball game and she's got this Votto shirt on she just wanted to see joey Votto hit some balls and she he gets he gets knocked out of, uh, in the first inning which i don't know for me a little bit that you know joey Votto also party like a roth star for that because free day off work essentially you you know you just show up it'd be like if i showed up and like during prep they, they kicked me out, and I had to go home, and then, okay, no, I don't have to work anymore. You still get paid for the day. But either way, Joey Votto and the Reds were brought to attention because the mom posted the picture of the young girl that she was upset, and Joey Votto, being the great guy he is, signs a baseball and gives it to her in the stands to, to make her day. And so she didn't get to see him play, but she gets probably what might even be better, a signed baseball from Joey Votto, and that's a memory that she'll never forget. So she's uh, my first Roth star today. Yeah, good on Joey Votto for that. Real quick, that was so weird. I didn't see it live, but I saw the highlight. So he does the check swing, the call, the third base coach says, or third base ump says he, he went, and he strikes out. And Votto wasn't going off on the third base coach. He was just kind of shaking his head as he went back to the dugout and said something to him like, no, no, that was a bad call, and just was being calm. The home plate ump then said something to Votto. And you could read Votto's list. Votto turns around and said, what the bleep did you say to me? <laughs> so the home plate ump decides out of nowhere as Votto's walking something. away to get involved. <laughs> Right, and then of course Votto gets thrown out. David Bell gets thrown out. What a mess there! But at least Votto well, people gave for- the girl that ball, and you know, with a, with a personalized message on it. So that that was cool. I people guess. forget that uh, baseball is about the umpires. So I mean, we, we can't right. have Joey Votto saying anything to an umpire yeah. as that he's might be disparaging. Away. Right, and the third base, uh, he you know, they had no issue. The home plate up decides he has to get involved. This young um trying to <laughs> you know, like you're saying, like people are there to see him. All right, my first party like a Roth star would have to be the Columbus Crew. Final game and and Jossie Zarda scoring two goals in the final game or the final yeah final game at Historic Crew Stadium. The new stadium will open here in a few weeks in July. The Crew won three straight. They won two to nothing. The score they are known for, Dosa Sarah. They beat Mexico four different times in World Cup qualifying with that score. So final game at Crew Stadium, they beat Chicago two to nothing with Zarda scoring both goals. That was my first party like a rock star. Do you have a favorite memory from Crew Stadium from over the years? Definitely the one and only time I sat in Nordeca, and it was the previous game. I went with uh, my buddy uh, Patrick nice. Murphy and colleague, who we're going to have on the show in the you know little, little tease here in the uh, final hour around two thirty-five. We're going to have Patrick Murphy talking some Buckeye football. Got to uh, go with Pat, who uh, covers the team, hadn't been there as a fan in a while, so uh, got to go with him and his friends. We had a great time and sat in the Nordeca. That's the only time I've ever sat there, so that was pretty cool. And they won that game. They were playing Toronto, and everybody's booing Michael Bradley. So that would be my favorite memory. I was not there when they won, you know, uh, MLS Cup. That or that would be my favorite memory. Yeah. Certainly, when I sat in Nordeca, whatever that was, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, that would be it. 
Yeah, I've only been out there a couple of times at the historic Crew Stadium, but it's a good time and the you know for the game itself and the, everything. But man, this new one when that opens up here at the beginning of next month, that's going to be awesome. Right down here, it makes the you know ex- extends the Arena District's footprint. It's going to be a good time. My next uh, party like a Wrath star. How about Paul George? So okay, yeah, the Clippers got the loss, but he's a guy who's you know kind of been labeled as he shrinks in the playoffs and stuff. Well, he's done a pretty good job this postseason, and this stat proves it. He's the fourth player over the last 10 seasons to score 20 points in each of his team's first 14 games of a postseason, joining Kevin Durant, James Harden, and LeBron James. So if you're doing something that those three have done and it's and it's a good thing, you're probably doing a pretty good job on the basketball court. So Paul George, he's got his team in the Western Conference Finals. Hopefully Kawhi can join him back. Maybe they can get a, a Finals berth. The Lakers got bounced early, so maybe they can draw some of the L.A. crowd into and you know have a little Clippers party. Paul George partying like a Roth star. I'm going to stay on the hardwood, too. My uh, second one is Giannis and the Bucks. I like that Giannis... You know, everybody, myself included, thought, you know, unless you're a Bucks fan, probably thought, okay, he's going to be the latest superstar, say the right things, and he's going to go sign with a big market team. He stays in Milwaukee, um, which might be the smallest market in the NBA. I'd have to check on that. I know uh, Milwaukee's the smallest market in MLB. So he stays with Milwaukee in Game 7, steps steps up huge, 40 points, 13 boards, 5 assists. Only three turnovers and that overtime win over the Nets. And yeah, I know the Nets were a little depleted, but imagine if he loses that game, what people are going to be saying. Oh, you couldn't even beat the Nets when they didn't have Kyrie and Harden wasn't, you know, the normal Harden. So uh, my number two is Giannis and the Bucks. And Giannis seems like a good dude, too. So I'm happy for Giannis. This one uh, technically happened this morning, but it happened before our show, so it still counts as a weekend. Until the show starts at noon, it's still the weekend in my book. So uh, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled 9-0 against the NCAA. So, I mean, I guess a party for the Supreme Court, but really just a party for the idea that even in uh, you know this country right now, there's a lot of political divide. Well, the Supreme Court can get on what? board. I heard about that. <laughs> that the NCAA is that a new thing, <laughs> right? That the NCAA stinks and their model is broken. This from uh, Justice Kavanaugh. Nowhere else in America can businesses get away with agreeing not to pay their workers a fair market rate on the theory that their product is defined by not paying their workers a fair market rate. So essentially, yeah, he's not on the hardwood, but the Supreme Court dunking on the NCAA, so everybody can party for that. I'm not sure there's any. Anybody who you know the Rob Lowe when he went to the NFL game and he wore just the the NFL hat. I don't think we're gonna ever see anybody just wear NFL or NCAA merchandise to a game. Nobody cares about the NCAA. Sit down, nine zero. They lose in the Supreme Court. Well, you know, at least politics in our country have been completely you know on track for the last you know few years, and they're just now going off the rails. I'm, I'm glad to know that. But okay, switching <laughs> gears here, my third and final party like a Roth star. I'm going to give it to my family and our our vacation and the fact that it wasn't a crazy, you know, torturous drive home. I I was just not looking to that. It was actually quite enjoyable. I mean, other than probably for my wife and daughters who had to be in the car with me for that long. But no, it actually was a very enjoyable. Even the drive was enjoyable. You know, the vacation was great. So um, Outer Banks, highly recommend it. And to all the fathers out there, I hope you got to party like a Rothstar over the weekend and on Father's Day. And real quick, I'll throw in a shout-out to all the buddies and friends who who helped me move. You've got uh, Steph and Mitch, Kyle, Nathan and Maddie. They all they all showed wow. up, even though it was raining in the morning. We loaded boxes. We got it all done. One trip in the U-Haul, and bam, 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 we're in the new house. So without them, I couldn't party like a Rothstar in my new backyard. It's got a privacy fence, so I'm pretty sure I can run around shirtless, pantless, whatever I want to do. And uh, that that's what I'll be doing now that they helped me get moved in. So thanks a lot to those guys. 
That's when you know you have true friends when they're willing to help you move in the rain. There's there's <laughs> friends, and then there's friends that are willing to help you move, and, and the latter group is like three notches above the other group. Yes, and uh, we gave them some pizza and beer, so they got to party a little bit like a Roth star there at the <laughs> end. But yeah, much more value. I won the trade. That definitely on that one. Pro Football Focus, they're ranking the top 50 NFL players in the league right now. We'll take a look at players 50 through 41 next on Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. Constantly interrupting valuable airtime to sell $3 stickers. What a business plan. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. If you are not kind to animals, Humane Agent Rothman will kick your ass. Humanely. This is Rothman and Ice. Check, check. Second hour of Rothman and Ice here on The Fan. Chops and Dave Biddle sitting in with you on a Monday. Biddle will be here tomorrow. And then I'm finishing up the rest of the week with Jensen Lewis. Should be a good week here on Rothman and Ice. Both the leaders of the program are gone, so I'm taking over and taking care of things. But we've got CB in the producer's chair. He's going to help make sure that everything runs smoothly throughout the week. And if anything bad happens, I'll just take a cue from Bishop and Laurinaitis and say it's all his fault. So that's what we'll do. I uh, just also wanted to add, since it was Father's Day, I, I mentioned all my friends. My parents also helped with the move. My mom had the important job of watching the dog, keeping her out of the way while we're moving everything. And my dad drove the truck. Also, very, very important. So, uh, happy Father's Day, Dad, and thank you so much for helping me move. And this one, hopefully, will I've been I've been on the track of moving about every two years. This one, since we bought a house, will probably stick a little bit longer. So you won't have to help me move for for a while. And hopefully, I can afford movers by the next time. Nice Father's Day gift for your uh, pops there, right. Chops. You can help me move, Dad. <laughs> yeah, and then he offered to pay for the pizza, and I was like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's keep, fine. Hey, <laughs> hey, let's keep it going. I mean, you grew up, you grew up in Centerville. You, you, you got the money. <laughs> hey, uh, state champions bids. I know. Just so I you know. I, I, I know. You, you, you opened the door. You opened listen, the door for listen, that one. Once, once they become Buckeyes, now he's not a Buckeye officially, you know, like A.J. Hawk, you know, you know, Mike Nugent on and on, Kirk Herbstreet, you know, Gabe Cups. Who uh, has now been offered by Ohio State the Ooh. point guard on the Centerville State Champion basketball team, and only a sophomore when they won it. You know, will be a junior. He got an offer from Chris Holtman and the Buckeyes. So uh, I will put my Beaver Creek card aside. <laughs> and interestingly, my, I don't know if I told you this. My uh, brother-in-law is a science teacher in the Centerville district and had Gabe Cups in eighth grade. So, oh. so he's a, he says he's a great young man. We know he's a great basketball player. So. I was not expecting that for, uh, I don't know if Gabe was expecting it either on his official visit to get that offer from the Holt man, as Tim Hall calls him. And, uh, I love that. Holtman's really, you know, he, he gave the offer to the kid at, uh, Huber Heights Wayne as well, um, who's also a point guard. And I love that Chris Holtman's trying to build a fence around Ohio. Keeping it local, recruit, yeah. He, yeah. He's going to recruit nationally, but Ohio's got really good high school basketball. And, uh, you know, if you can get the best in Ohio, you can do really well. And he's going to get his share of transfers. We know, we know kind of what Holtman wants to do now. And he said, he he wants to, you know, you know, get old and stay old is the way he put it, you know, with the transfers and everything. With the and way that's things the new, are that's the new age. Right? Yeah, You're with like, the way yeah, things are ahead. changing too, you almost like want to like really target more like the top 50 and not so much the top 10 because that's going to be like if the one and done goes away then like what are those players going to do and you don't want to like build your recruiting class around a kid who's unsure whether or not he's going to go straight to the draft or, or come play college ball and then he leaves so i think yeah if you can get you know really good players in your state you you, you build that up and then you can go you can go national but it's a yeah I'm, i imagine that's going to be one of the more confusing things for college coaches figuring out kids who haven't quite declared which one they're going to at the you know at the top and how much effort you should put into a guy who might just say eh, instead i'm just going to the nba 
Yeah, it's it's crazy, and I think that's why Holtman might be a you know a good fit for Ohio State. You, of course, you want to get in on the guys that are elite, but like it, it's just a different game now. And are those guys going to really pick Ohio State? You know, Thad Motta was able to get him pick Ohio State um, to a degree, especially early in his tenure. But even with you know D'Angelo Russell, not yeah. that D'Angelo had the accolades of a Greg Oden. Greg Oden was the number one player in the entire country, and but Mike Conley wasn't. You know, nobody knew Mike Conley was going to be the number four pick of the draft and be one and done. They thought they had their point guard for at least three years, maybe four. Conley and D'Angelo both kind of played themselves yes. into being one and done players. They weren't. Exactly. They didn't come in like, oh yeah, for sure that's a one and done. But they both just played so well their one year here. That's correct. I mean, Daquan Cook was the other five star in that class. You know, I think David Lighty was a four star. But we're talking about the Thad Five. You know, D'Angelo Russell was a five star, but you know, again, like you're saying, he was, he was like more like top twenty and played his way into being a one and done guy. He even probably he didn't think he was going to be one and done. And certainly not the number two pick of the draft. So. Holtman, my point is Holtman getting, he needs to get like high four stars. I'm not saying he can get like three stars and just hope they all turn out. Um, <laughs> just say, you know, just needs- do what those, you know, this happens in football all the time. The like smaller schools are like, well, we develop players. And it's like, that's great. So does Ohio State. They just develop them from five stars and four stars at first. Right, it's like Michigan gets you. Know, you look at Michigan football. I'm talking about recruiting. Their recruiting has not been nearly as bad as what their record is. So, have they recruited on Ohio State's level? No, but their development, I would argue, has been just to completely go off on a tangent here. Right, it's ever not not in Columbus, Ohio. If it's ever a bad thing to talk about Ohio State and Michigan football, especially with Michigan being downtrodden and Ohio State being one of the elite programs. But I really think that's the biggest difference. Chops. It's not recruiting because if Michigan was recruiting on their current level, but developing the way Ohio State developed it would be a lot closer. Yeah. Ohio State would still have the edge. Ohio State recruits, you know, out-recruits them by a wide margin, even though Michigan's recruiting is decent. But then Ohio State develops the heck out of yeah, their Development is very a, important, and it is a way for lesser yeah. programs to, to be competitive. But if you have a program like Ohio State that is developing and you start with the, the blocks of marble that they get to start with instead of the clay that some other teams are working with. That's not to disparage the players. It's just saying that overall, when you load up your roster with four and five stars, development is still key, but it's just, I mean, you're just already two steps ahead of everybody else. Donovan Peoples Jones was the number one ranked wide receiver in the country, and you know, and he ends up being a sixth round pick. Do you think there's any way? In and he's looking good becomes, for the Browns too. Like he right. the, now he's being developed in the NFL, but he like had that break in the middle. Well, I don't know where was he that didn't really work out for his development. Right. Do you think there's any way in this world he would have been a sixth round pick if he went to Ohio State and was developed with you know Brian Day and, and, and Brian Hartline and you know even the previous regime? I mean, just no way, no way. I mean, right. they pride themselves. You know, they have the the slogan over there. I mean, that's not it's not that creative, but it doesn't need to be because it's so true and, and 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 they can prove it with the NFL draft developed here. Hashtag developed here at Ohio State. They do a great job in recruiting, led by Mark Pantone and their coaching staff. But what takes it to the next level is the development because you do see. Schools like Georgia that are right there with Ohio State in recruiting, yeah. but they're not on the field. Then you see teams like Michigan, like I pointed out, that's not on Ohio State's level, but what really pushes them you know, too far back, if you're a Michigan fan, is the lack of development. And now they got a bunch of rookie coaches up there, guys that have never been defensive coordinators. That's their defensive coordinator guy. A guy that's never been an O-line coach is their O-line coach. It's, it ain't good up there, man. And a Harbaugh that... I remember when he was hired, Chops, I thought that that was going to be a home run hire for them. I remember thinking foolishly, oh, man, we're in for another 10-year war. And the, right. those of us that didn't get to experience the 10-year war, we're going to see our own version of the 10-year war. Uh, no, it's <laughs> unless the 10-year war is Ohio State 10, Michigan nothing pretty soon, because right now they've won eight in a row. But um, I never saw this coming with Harbaugh. He's completely lost, and he's got a bunch of you know guys that might be in over their head. I don't like their roster. I think this will be the last year of Harbaugh in Ann Arbor. 
Speaking of highly ranked players, we're looking at this, and uh, we'll we'll keep tabs on this all week. Pro Football Focus is rating the 50 best players in the NFL right now, and I I tend to side with their rankings because it's a very numbers based and yeah you can get into the point where maybe you don't like their their grading system but that's even you know more nitty-gritty when they you know they have really good empirical ways to look at how players compare so in football that's the hardest it's the hardest sport to compare players in anyways because the positions are made so differently the over importance of quarterback rightfully so but it is over important so it's really hard to judge well is this wide receiver better than this quarterback but you know so i think pff has a way of, of nailing that kind of stuff down so we're going to start they're going to release um groups of 10 every day throughout this week culminating with the top 10 on friday so today we've got uh numbers 50 through 41 and number 50 is uh i think one of the more interesting ones because you don't really know what to do with this guy he's coming back from injury you're, you're not sure where he's gonna be his team is looking like they're gonna be better but they they play in that terrible division so maybe they'll win the division but i don't know where they're at it's quarterback Dak prescott for the cowboys like i said coming off that ankle injury a horrific injury that he's been out for for so long now but he's a guy who we know can can get it done so will the cowboys be able to turn it around with him i think 50 is more just like a like a shrug i don't know what to do with Dak prescott i think he could be ranked higher but i think he's definitely top 50 even with the question marks surrounding him i would need to see the other quarterbacks on this list to know where i I like Dak prescott we don't know since it's just the top 50 we don't know who's you know didn't make the list but almost did we don't know who the next quarterback is going to be on the list i I would be very curious to see that to your point chops it does seem about right to me um maybe if i had maybe if i had to say anything maybe a little high maybe a little high but 50 um i'll put it this way if Dak prescott ends up being regardless of position the 50th best player in the nfl the cowboys are going to have a good year yeah, that's probably a good point. Uh, the, then you go on 49 is, uh, Levante David, who had a really good year for the Buccaneers. Obviously, they went on to win the Super Bowl. And it's just so, like I said, it's so hard. So, you know, I, I'll trust pro football focus and their numbers based approach to this because Levante David was a name that you heard so much at the end of the year. So I feel like there's a little recency bias that makes me think he should be higher on this list. But again, this is only 41 through 50. So it's really hard to say, well, he should be ahead of this guy because there's not very many names to kind of scrub through so far. But I, I feel like there's a little bit of recency bias in my head for Levante David. Yeah, a little bit of a career achievement, uh, yeah. but uh, <laughs> certainly an excellent player, uh, fantastic linebacker. But yeah, if they don't win the Super Bowl, is he ranked that high? Um, and, and you know, maybe that rightfully so. This you know, <laughs> he's a reason they won the Super Bowl. So you know, good for him. Again, I would need to see the whole list before I start critiquing. Well, how can you have Levante David here? Seems about right to me. I mean, he's certainly one of the best linebackers, but not a guy that you would say is like a top twenty player in the NFL. Again, I, I would need to see the whole list though. The next noteworthy part to me is uh, this tandem of wide receivers, 45, Stephon Diggs of the Bills, and 44, Michael Thomas of the Saints. Both of those, again, it's it's so hard because we don't have it. Both of those seem like, I don't know, maybe one of them could be higher. It just it, Michael Thomas is going to be really hard to evaluate this year because I have no idea what the Saints quarterback situation is. I mean, I guess I have some idea of who who it could be, but I have no idea how that's actually going to look once it's on the field, and obviously for a wide receiver to succeed, he's going to need his quarterback to succeed, or at least be good enough to get him the ball. Stephon Diggs is probably the one that, if we're going with the idea of maybe there is some recency bias, it surprises me he's not a little bit higher after the, the year the Bills had last season. 
Yeah, and Michael Thomas is suffering from reverse recency bias because he had the best season in NFL history throughout his first four seasons combined of anybody uh, for a wide receiver. Not a, not of any player, regardless of position. I'm talking about for, just for wide receivers, but the best first four seasons combined in NFL history. Now, you know, helps when you have a uh, Hall of Famer and one of the top quarterbacks ever throwing you the ball. I get that. So it's, it's interesting how you would look at Michael Thomas. To me, 44 seems, it seems like he should be higher than that, but are, are you judging it that, well, his numbers are going to go down now just like they did when Drew Brees was out, or are you just judging it if you could, you know, draft players where would you have Michael Thomas? I feel like he should be a little bit higher, but his numbers are going to take a hit without Drew Brees for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, Drew Brees always putting it on there, and he's such a, a no-drop guy that if you the ball, get the ball get in, in the vicinity, then, then we're good. Uh, if it's Jameis Winston, he's known to not be the most accurate guy and to throw it to the other team a little bit. So we'll see how Michael Thomas fares. If it is Jameis, if it's, I, I don't know, are they still throwing around that Taysom could be the so, guy? Man. Yeah, I'm sure they'll make some. I'm, if, if, yeah, I'm Sean Payton's Payton a him. hard guy to read. You know, he he kind of he plays coy with the media, so you never really know if he's telling you the truth. Anyways, that's true. He does. I, he. Lo- I mean, we know he loves Taysom Hill. Does he love him to the point? Is he in love with him to the point where he's going to? Well, he loves him. He's dating him. Maybe he's. Is he going to actually get engaged? Are they going to get married? Is he actually going to like have him as his starting quarterback? It's hard to imagine, but that. I wouldn't want Jameis as my starter either. Mm-hmm. That's a, you know, I mean, the Bucks are going to run away with that. I mean, that, I don't know. I mean, I, Sean Payton's an excellent coach though. I shouldn't say the Bucks are going to run away with it. You never know about injuries and stuff, but yeah, I don't see the Panthers doing anything with Darnold though, or yeah. and the Falcons. I don't know. They're holding on to the Matt Ryan era and it's just, man, yeah. just cut it loose and restart. They drafted fields, man. They should, they Kyle, should. Pitts, Kyle Pitts is a freak. I get it. He'll probably be, uh, you know, he will be an all pro if he stays healthy. There's no doubt about it. He'll probably be a Hall of Famer if he stays healthy. But man, I would have sat there at four and just taken fields and, and got what you could for, uh, you know, for all your guys like Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and just rebuild with Justin Fields. But that's me. Speaking of the Falcons, real quick, Grady Jarrett stood out to me there. I, I love the idea of uh, interior defense alignment getting more play, as, and I think it's sort of the uh, uh, why is his name escaping me from L.A. the uh, the Aaron Donald. Donald. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> For some reason, Aaron Donald. Uh, yeah, he's not a, a name you know, top of head in uh, in the NFL. But yeah, just the idea of like the effect he's had, where like interior defense alignment, defense tackles are getting pressure, and they're like this big deal now. They're no longer just those big guys in the middle stomping up the middle. And then uh, John Johnson on the Browns comes in at number forty one. So the Browns getting at least one player there in the top fifty, and I think there'll be a few others. We'll see. About that, Brownie fans, you got to like that. John Johnson, the 41st best player in the entire NFL, regardless of position. That was a great signing. I mean, then you go out, you get Newsom, you know, as Dan was talking about earlier, you know, how he's showing out. You already have Denzel Ward. Um, you got Greedy Williams. Looks like he might be your third corner. Um, you got really good safeties, you know, bringing in John Johnson, 41st player. You know, best player in the entire NFL. You'll take that's it. Quite, that's quite the accolade for John Johnson. That's really cool. Up next, tell the truth, Rothman and Ice on the fan. Feel unappreciated? Things not working out the way you imagined? Bad news. Sometimes life sucks. Good news. We don't. The fan, Ohio's sports destination. Think. Tell the truth with Rothman and Ice. All right, Rothman and Ice, Chops and Dave Biddle sitting in on a Monday. We're going to throw it over 
to Colin, our producer. What's up with Tell the Truth today? Yeah, man, I got a really fun one here because this made me feel old, too, so I'm wondering how old it's going to make you feel. <laughs> so MLB's number one prospect, Wander Franco, has been called up by the Rays, and when he takes the field, he will be the first major league player born in 2001. What other scenario, whether there's sporting event or just life situation, has made you feel old? I would say... Ahead, you can go, go first, Biddle, since I'll let the elder go first. Thank you very much. I appreciate that uh, very much. Um, for me, guys, it is when a player at Ohio State that played for the Buckeyes when I was in college, either his son is being recruited by the Buckeyes or is being recruited by somebody else. Like Antoine Winfield was at Ohio State when I was at Ohio State. Antoine Winfield Jr., that made me feel old even though he didn't come to Ohio State. Lorenzo Styles was the Buckeyes middle linebacker for part of my time at Ohio State. You know, his sons have been recruited, including Sonny right now being recruited by Ohio State. His oldest, Lorenzo Styles Jr., is at Notre Dame. And the one that really hits home, Jalen Pace, son of Orlando Pace. Uh, fun fact, Orlando Pace lived one door, I should say, I had the fortune of living next door to Orlando Pace in the dorms at Morrill Tower. Got to know him a little bit. Great guy, by the way. Orlando Pace was down to earth, even though he became a superstar right away. His son's going to put him in one of those preferred walk on. Oh yeah, all, all of the all of the freshmen lived in the dorms. Oh, I think they still do. For one year, you live in the dorms, and all of them in that '94 class. He was his roommate was John Lumpkin, who was the only guy on the team that was taller than him. Lumpkin was six nine, also played for the basketball team. That another is guy tight from, in that little, that guy little from, living room they have. Oh, in those. I bet, man, another guy from Dayton, Trotwood, Madison. So Jalen Pace is going to be a walk on linebacker at Ohio State. So that's what it is for me. That's what makes me feel old. For me, it's a little bit of the. This one's a smaller one, but uh, the. There's no players on the Buckeyes that are younger than me now that I've been out of college for a number of years. There's, there's just none. And then, like, the the professional leagues are creeping into that. Non-sports, though, it's also, like, thinking back to, like, memories in high school, especially even with some high school buddies and, like, oh, yeah, I remember when we did this and blah, blah, blah. And, like, that was a decade ago. Like, having clear memories of things that were a decade ago is, like, kind of new to me. That's not something you were always able to do. And, you know, I mean, I, obviously when I was – you know, in eighteen and up, you know, I could you could remember back to when you're, you know, a kid, but it's different when like it's very clear about what you did in high school and you were you were already dry like I've had my driver's license for over ten years now. Like thinking back to it in that way it makes me feel old. And that, my boy, is the damn truth. All right, so reporters at Raiders Camp said that Damon Arnett has become almost an afterthought after watching some of the practices. Do you believe that Damon can turn his career around in Vegas or does he need a new change in scenery? Man, I still think he can turn it around because he, he they invested a first-round pick on him. So they're going to give him a lot of rope. Even everything that happened with Eli Apple, eventually the Giants traded him. But they gave him a lot of rope. Um, man, I, I don't know if he's going to turn it around where they're going to be like, I'm glad we took a, took him in the first round. Because we all followed Damon close. Even though he ended up having a very good fifth-year senior season, we were all like, what? First round for Damon Arnett? Are you serious, Mike Mayock? Um, so I'm, now, I'm, now I'm surprised again. I thought... Wow, he was taken in the first round. I didn't think he'd be a complete bust where they're like, there he could be possibly cut, where they're saying he's an afterthought. I will say, yes, he can turn it around, but I'm not, you know, I wouldn't bet too much on it. Sometimes I get the years of first round Ohio State defensive backs and like what year they were drafted. So when I, you know, I, I, I just wanted to double check and I double checked Damon Arnett, 19th overall just last year. So you got to think, just in his second year, he missed with some injuries and some COVID issues last year with the Raiders. So you got to think they're, they're still going to give him another chance. But I read that Gruden quote and he just doesn't have really anything to say about Damon Arnett when talking about the secondary. And that's where it becomes iffy because Gruden's kind of a wild card. And I don't really know always how to how to peg him and, and what he's going to do. So if he moves off a guy, maybe. But I'm going to go with, no, I think he can get things back on track. 
in Vegas, which is probably the first time anybody's ever said that. Yeah, I'm going to go to Vegas and get things back on track for my life. Just remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. All right, so Calvin Johnson said that Detroit refused to accept his release request. Uh, He wanted to play somewhere else before he ended up actually retiring. And I want to ask you, is there a quarterback out there back when he retired, it was around 2016, would you have preferred to watch him play with? Put him on the Seahawks. Well, that one too, yeah. Russell yeah. Wilson, after seeing what Russell Wilson can do with DK Metcalf and how good that, you know, the, the Seahawks were kind of at the end of their Legion of Boom in 2016. I'm trying to remember those years. But either way, Russell Wilson would have been there. He's a great deep ball guy. And to see him, you know, blossoming a little bit more with that, with with such a big body receiver like DK Metcalf. Well, Calvin Johnson is, you know, even better than that. Probably, I don't want to say twice the receiver, but I mean, certainly a, a better guy. So to have that option available for Russell Wilson that would have been something I would have liked to see I'll go with Aaron Rodgers I mean he until Devontae Adams and you, maybe you can argue because Devontae Adams was not Devontae he wasn't a superstar when he, right when he walked in the league like some rook, rookie receivers are you could argue Aaron Rodgers helped make him but he hasn't had a lot of uh, superstar wide receivers really only Devontae Adams I will say Aaron Rodgers by the way Matt Stafford must be loving this conversation <laughs> <laughs> the truth overrated. Okay, and I have one more for you. Would you rather live where it's always dark or always light out? For me on this one, it's got to be always light. I feel like you can buy blackout curtains. You can get some sort of eye shade to, to cover your eyes because if it's always light, the only thing I'm really worried about is, is sleeping. If it's too bright, it's a, li- you know, a little tough to fall asleep, a little, little tough to stay asleep, but there's really easy workarounds uh, of that if it's always dark, you're trying to do stuff outside. What do you? There're going to be floodlights everywhere. How are you going to do it if you really want something lit up? If it's always dark, every you know, the, every corner is scary now, and driving is you know always in the dark with the headlights and everything. So I think always light is easy because the only drawback from that I think is trying to sleep, and that's an easy workaround. Whereas trying to mow the lawn in the dark and you know lighting up the sky to the point where like normal daylight that's not something i can do with you know a trip to home depot yeah this one's easy for me guys always light i mean i you know i remember back in the day you know i was maybe when i was in college i was thinking oh i'm, I'm kind of i feel like i'm kind of nocturnal kind of prefer the night that that's completely gone away i i would much prefer it'd be too gloomy it'd be too gloomy for it to, it to be dark all the time give me 24 hour light And it has set us free today. We'll try to decipher more decisions surrounding the Olympics next. Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. This is Ohio State football coach Ryan Day on your home for Buckeye football, The Fan. Ohio sports destination. Just a couple of guys whose love for fantasy sports may exceed their love for real sports. This is Rothman and Ice. Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. Chops and Dave Biddle hanging out with you. And, and Bids, you're an interesting uh, a sports fan because obviously, you know, with your with your job at Bucknuts, you're, you're, you're huge into the Buckeyes and you, you clearly follow all the other the other major sports. But then, you know, every once in a while, I'll, I'll hear you on, on here talking about it or you might be tweeting about it or something. You're really into some other sports. So with the Summer Olympics approaching after being delayed over a year, are you pretty excited for the Olympics? I, I would peg you for a guy who does enjoy the Olympics. Yes, because, you know, I like sports. I like... I don't like every sport. I don't, but I like a lot of sports. <laughs> I do. Uh, yeah, it's my job and my and my main hobbies. Um, I mean, I love music too. But yeah, I mean, sports. It's like 
Um, yeah, you, 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 you described me well. I'm a very interesting sports fan. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I'm going to be most interested in, in the basketball, but I think everybody is interested. They got in three on three now. I'm actually, I'm interested to catch some of that as well. Yeah, I, I always love the track and field. I, I always love, you know, you know, the sprints, um, especially, you know, 100 meters, stuff like that. Um, well, so you don't have to dedicate up. too much time to it. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's just so cool to see. Um, the swimming can be cool at times. It's going to be weird not seeing Michael Phelps out there. And, uh, you know, Simone Biles, um, uh, with her being perhaps the best of all time. Um, I won't be glued to it. I, I, you know, I don't want to act like I'll be glued to the Olympics as I won't be. Um, but I get patriotic. I root for the Americans big time. I become like, you know, old school patriotic American when, when the Olympics roll, roll around. I hope that, you know, we win the, the most golds and the most medals overall. So yeah, man. I like the Olympics. I don't love them, but I, I definitely um, am looking forward to the Olympics. The Summer Olympics also there. The Summer Olympics are a lot of fun, but it's yeah, it's not as um, like obscure as the Winter Olympics. Some of those events that happen in the Winter Olympics, like the biathlon, I never see that any other time. I don't even understand it when I do see it. Cross country skiing, where you take a rifle off your back and you you shoot a target. There's nothing really like that in the Summer Olympics. There's a few different sports in there, like handball is something that like we're not very familiar here. Comes stateside, but it's still it's still out there. And that one that one's fun to watch but either way I, I bring it up because the summer olympics are coming up and they're supposed to be in tokyo and uh, from all accounts it sounds like it's happening but it's been kind of a bumpy road getting there and uh this that's why this news kind of surprised me the olympics they're going to allow a limit of ten thousand local fans in venues so organizers set a limit of 50 percent capacity or up to ten thousand fans i guess whichever comes first for each olympic venue and officials said that if coronavirus cases rise again and the the rules could be changed and fans could still be barred altogether. Spectators from abroad were banned several months ago and now some local fans who have tickets will be forced to give them up. I guess they won't have enough, maybe more than they've sold or that have been spoken for. But these these Olympics just keep confusing me because, you know, you, you hear a lot about the, the Japanese people have been really worried about the coronavirus and and people coming in. So, OK, they're still they're still holding that up. But if they're if they're so worried about the spread of the coronavirus, I wouldn't think that. It would be a you know a group of people that is really excited to to get into the venues, but maybe it's it's just the the idea of spreading from 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 other countries while they come in. I I can't get a read on the Olympics right now, and this this story stood out to me as something of like, huh? I, I just every Olympic story is just kind of huh for me right now. But it sounds like they are going to happen at the very least. Yeah, you know, I'm sure it's a lot like what we deal with here, where you have like, um, I would like to think a majority of people, especially in Columbus, Ohio, like last year, that thought there should be a college football season, but there were dissenting voices that were like, oh, we don't think it's safe, this and that, we shouldn't be doing this. I'm sure it's the same way in Japan right now. We're hearing like, you know, some of the dissenting voices saying there should not, we shouldn't be doing this. And if we are, we shouldn't have fans. Where the people that are actually making the decision are like, no, we should be doing this and we are going to have fans. <laughs> the, the compromise, compromises we're not going to have like full capacity people are probably going to have to wear masks maybe have proof of that i don't know what all the stipulations are going to be you maybe have to take some, one of those little temperature tests going in or maybe mm -hmm. they'll have rapid tests i'm sure they'll do something like that i mean you know go back to music the foo fighters just did a, a concert where you had to be vaccinated you had to show proof of vaccination so maybe it'll be something like that if the did foo you fighters, see that dave chappelle if the foo fighters 
if the Foo Fighters can do it, I think the uh, country of Japan can do it. So, oh, Chappelle, I didn't see Chappelle. Yeah, they brought him on that. stage and he sang, uh, what is it, Creep by Radiohead with the Foo Fighters playing. <laughs> Chappelle so saying, that's awesome. just the most random thing that could happen. Like that, that, that seems like a Mad Lib like word generator, like of something that happened. <laughs> Madison Square Garden, Foo Fighters, Dave Chappelle, and Creep. Yeah, throw it all into one. <laughs> that's hilarious proof of vaccination throw that in there too yeah. it's just like a little a little a little bit of everything but yeah man i i think yeah i just think the people that are running it will think okay it's safe you know we have things called vaccinations you know and if athletes don't want it i don't think they're going to make athletes maybe they will maybe they won't maybe it's going to be a thing like what we saw with john rom or you don't have to but if you test positive then you're out um well you know, i know what, culturally at the memorial uh, so japan we'll is much more willing to wear the masks too which probably helps with people who are a little bit more unsure that there's not as uh there's not as much of like a contentiousness between places that might require you to wear a mask or something in japan but yeah the olympics it's just uh like i'm happy i'm happy it's happening but every time i hear this would be the first time i would say somewhat good news most of the time when i see a headline with the olympics right now it's kind of like bad news like something that might be a drawback or something that might not be happening quite the way they plan this one sounds like okay they had to kind of work their way around and figure out what's the best way to get some spectators in there and that'll be another thing having spectators there will be will be good because some of those sports we listed off if there's no environment at, you know at a swim meet or a track event it, it would be really strange i feel like there's got to be some sort of ambient noise from the crowd yeah, I, I'm, I'm sick of the, uh, the pumped in crowd noise. And, and another thing, can we do this or not doing with this with the Euro soccer tournament right now? I know it was supposed to be the 2020 Olympics. It's 2021. Can we just call them the 2021 Olympics? I know they're supposed, but they, supposed to be didn't happen. They're not the right. 2020 Olympics because the asterisk maybe, maybe should people be on, that, maybe people been that would have like, qualified last year didn't qualify this year because another year happened. They should be called the 2021 Olympics chops. Yeah, it should be 2021 Olympics, and the asterisk should be that it was supposed to be in 2020, but because of the pandemic, it yes. got pushed to 2021. Instead, they're going to list it as 2020, and all the dates are going to be 2021. So for somebody yeah, who's like trying to like figure so this stupid. out, you know, in 100 years or something, if somebody's trying to like research this, they're going to be very confused at all these 2021 dates in the in the 2020 Olympics. I, 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 I fully support that idea that, yeah, it's 2021. Let's just call events 2021. Of course, the Big Ten has 14 teams, so whatever. Well, that bigger problems in the world, I guess. I, it's just a pet peeve of mine. I see that. It just, I know, I know, it was supposed to happen in 2020. Just call it the 2021 Olympics. Call it Euro 2021. They didn't want to redesign the logo. They they had a logo already. <laughs> there you go. That's so, a, there you go. Follow the money. That's exactly what it is. I'm sure. Another interesting thing I saw from the Olympics. Have you? I'm sure you've heard of the fraternizing that happens in the Olympic Village with these athletes, especially once yes. they've they've done their their uh, whatever their event is, and then they might still be there for a few days or or whatever. So uh, as the years have gone on, they uh, there's been a big push to supply condoms to the athletes at at the at the Olympics, and they are they are still doing that, but to, to promote. Uh, distancing they're not doing it until after and then they're doing it as a and this is a good cause but it's to promote safe sex for the idea of hiv and aids and the, the spread of of you know the sexually transmitted diseases and things like that so that's good but i still feel like they should supply them 
in the Olympic Village while the athletes are there because, yeah, there can be all sorts of restrictions and stuff, but uh, I feel like people are still going to gonna get after it, uh, so to speak, even even with the restrictions. And the weirdest one is they're allowed to bring alcohol, but only they can only drink it alone in their room. Oh, that's, I drink that's alone the official with, rule. with nobody else. Cue up the music. Yeah, that's going to happen. You can bring alcohol, but only drink alone. And, and then rendezvous. Um, <laughs> geez, you're right, man. I mean, like, yeah, like everybody, especially young athletes are going to follow all those rules, aren't they? Um, yeah, that's... That's an interesting thing. Are they going to hand out when they hand out the condoms? Are they also going to hand out masks? You know, keep it. <laughs> I remember that when when colleges were getting back together. I remember some of those guidelines they saw. They were like, if you're hooking up with somebody, make sure you wear a mask while you. Oh, man, uh, just some of the ideas that have that have come out of like ways to like. And, you know, because there are certain things where, like, social distancing just doesn't make any sense if you're still going to, uh, you know, some do some of these activities. And, like, the ideas that people have come up with with, with ways. It reminds me, uh, who was it? Did you see this thing from Rutgers where there's a bear loose on campus that they, they, they've had a bear sighting this summer? And it, they, they basically sent out a, a memo of, like, things to do. And one of them was, like, don't look the bear in the eye. And it's like, that's the best you can do for us. There's a bear loose on campus. And we just... Uh, just don't look it in the eye. Just what walk you need to, to class. do is pull up the video of that seventeen-year-old girl. I believe it was was it Nevada or California. She was out west. The one that the bear was crawling and was attacking her dogs. Right. Her yeah. She was seventeen years old, and, and she was thin too. She goes up and just pushes that bear over the wall, just like you know. She just went into you know you know you know mother protecting her dogs kind of yeah. kind of thing, and that bear like didn't mess with her. That's what they need to do to put on a video of that girl. That's how you. That's how you mess with the bear. Sign her up. Get Larry Johnson to give her some pointers, and maybe we could get her on the edge pushing around some left tackles. There you go. Speaking of... Developed here, right, Josh? Right. Speaking of Ohio State, some of their athletes will be heading to the Olympics. And all that and more in the Buckeye Bulletin next on Rothman and Ice on the Fan. On air. Online. On the app. New methods of consumption. Same great radio taste. Take us with you everywhere. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Rothman and Ice present... Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Don't go through another air conditioner breakdown. For fast, friendly service, call the experts at Logan Services now for a free estimate and next day air installation. Buckeye Bulletin here on Rothman and Ice. Chops and Dave Biddlein on a Monday. We were talking about the Olympics. The Summer Olympics are coming. They're going to be in Tokyo. And there's going to be a, a number of Buckeyes there, at least two of them. Rising junior Hunter Armstrong, he hit his personal best 52-67. Uh, so 52 seconds and uh, 52.67 seconds. That's, that's a weird way to say that because when you go into like littler pieces than seconds, I don't know, like 52 seconds and point six seven milliseconds i don't know in the 100 meter backstroke he, uh, that got him into the finals and a chance to qualify for tokyo that mark barely lasted a day as the dover ohio navy had bested it with a 52.48 in the final swim finishing second only to defending olympic champ gold medals and world record holder ryan murphy so hunter armstrong a buckeye who's still here uh, he's going, uh, and looks like the 100 meter backstroke is his event. So that's, that's pretty cool to see. You see from Bill Dorncott, Ohio State Director of Swimming and Diving, he said, We are so incredibly thrilled for Hunter and the opportunity he now has to represent the United States at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. He is swimming extremely well and is within striking distance of the world record, which is 51.97. That was set by Ryan Murphy in 2016. And, uh, 
I think he will have some terrific Olympic Games swims. So there you have it. There's there's one Buckeye in the in the pool. Uh, that'll give me a reason to check out some of the swimming events for sure. Exactly. It's incredibly cool there's going to be a Buckeye in the Olympics. And it turns out there's not just going to be one Buckeye in the Olympics. Right, Chops? No, yeah. We've got Ohio State. At, so she's no longer currently a Buckeye, but she was one. And, man, she was a good one. Uh, she's already in the Hall of Fame. Christina Clemens, she qualified for her first ever Olympic team by finishing third in the 100-meter hurdles with a time of 12.53 seconds at the U.S. Olympic trials. Um, so, yeah, she had quite the career here. I have it. Up here, I wanted to read off uh, some of her accolades from when she was here. So, Clemens is one of the all-time track and field greats at Ohio State. Uh, they've had a number of good ones. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of them. Where she set school records in the 60-meter dash, 7.23, 60-meter hurdles, 7.9, 100-meter hurdles, 12.68, and 4x100-meter relay, 43.70. And was a two-time NCAA champion, 10-time Big Ten champion, and 11-time All-American. In her first season, though, as a professional, she uh, ruptured her Achilles, requiring a long road back to competing at an elite level. So for her, uh, you know, I'm... Man, rupturing an Achilles as a sprinter, I'm sure, is the worst thing that can possibly happen. So for her to work her way back, and now she's headed to the Olympics, that's awesome for Christina Clemens. That's crazy. That That's almost like getting a gold medal for her. Like, you know, to rupture your Achilles, like you said, for a track and field athlete, a sprinter, and to be able to come back and qualify for the Olympics, I mean, that's incredible. Good for her. The only thing is her name is really close to Clemson, so when I read it, it makes me a little angry for a second. And then I then I realized no, it's Clemens. We're okay, but you flip the you know a few of those letters on the on the back half of that name around, and it's Clemson. And you remember Ohio State just destroyed them. That'll help too this past year, right? So I don't have to hate Clemson as much, but I'm still going to. Have they replaced Have they replaced Alabama for you as like the the most hated team they, out there? They were till last year. Until last year, yeah. The monkeys yeah, I feel off like, the back. I feel like Ohio State, just the way Ohio State beat them down. And listen, oh, you know this happens all the time in sports. The better team doesn't win. I, I am convinced Ohio State was the better team in 2019. Yeah. In 2020, they left no doubt. Even though Ohio State didn't win in 2019, I thought they were the better team, and that left a sour taste in my mouth. All and it's the way they beat them down. Um, yeah, man. I mean, Alabama being the king of the hill. I, mean, I know Ohio State beat them in 2014, but that you know feels like a long time ago now. Um, Alabama's weird though. I kind of hated Clemson. Alabama's just more like annoying, you know. Like, right? Oh wow, they get, like, like they weren't already rich enough. They get Henry Toe Toe, you know. And not that Jamison Williams is a star, but Jamison Williams, like the Buckeyes, like number five wide receiver. Not that he was number five last year, but I think Marvin Harrison was going to jump. Well, him. you just hope that if you do um, he meet transfers them, to Alabama. You just hope that if you do meet them, that Jamison Williams doesn't do something against the Buckeyes, and it's like, ah, you took him from us, and then he's able to hurt us. Because, yeah, he probably wouldn't see the field much for Ohio State, so I have no, I don't fault the the kid for leaving, but it just, it, 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 if it comes back to bite you because he's on Alabama, that's, you know, if he went to Missouri, whatever. I don't, we don't have to worry about Missouri. We're Ohio State, but now he's on Bama. We have to worry about it. That's exactly. I even told his dad that. His dad, you know, ruffled some feathers when they're on the way at the door and wanted to kind of clear the air. So he called me and I did a story and everything. And I even told him, I said, listen, I'm going to be, Jameson was always good to me. I always thought he was like a breath of fresh air and just, you know, he's always generous with his time. I'm going to be rooting for him every time he plays football, unless he plays against the Buckeyes. And even <laughs> Jameson Williams' dad thought that was funny. So, well, there you have it. One last thing on this. I think what, 
makes me hate Clemson a little bit more is Dabo annoys me way more than Nick Saban. Now, Nick Saban's to the point where I just appreciate it that we're seeing the the best college football coach of all time, and there's just a, there's almost an awe of what he continues to be able to do. But Dabo Sweeney, every time he opens his mouth, it seems like it's some sort of snide remark towards Ohio State, or at least that's the only time I pay attention to what he has to say. Yeah, he's he's not likable. He he comes across fake. And then with the now, I do think this past year he was legitimately maybe not scared of Ohio State, but he, I don't think he wanted any piece of them. And we saw why and with that whole ranking them, whatever he ranked them twelfth or whatever, um, right. you know. And then he got his, and then he got his in a big way. But hey, you know that was just one game. Clemson going back to Woody's last game. Braxton never played a, a snap of quarterback unless you consider the shotgun after he got his, his shoulder destroyed against Clemson. I mean, he came back you know, for practice but then hurt it again. That's the mm-hmm. reason he never played quarterback again. The 2016, you know, embarrassment. And they should have won the, that the 20, one. The, the, was that the, the Orange Bowl? Well, the 2016 was the embarrassment, and then 2019 was, was the one that they definitely should have won. Um, yeah, the Orange Bowl with Braxton. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah, was Von it Philly Bell Brown who, who muffed the punt? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was Philly Brown. They would have won the game without. Like, you, you, I've said the same thing though. You hate to say it was that Philly Brown it, lost the game for them, but it I really said that feels too. like if he just catches that punt because Ohio State had they had a two. I think they had a two score lead. Also, Brad Roby sat out that game to get ready for the draft, even though he said he was hurt. Sammy Watkins had the, the day of his life. Um, yeah, I still think because Carlos Hyde went off. Braxton still played well because no one knew at the time how bad his shoulder was. Yeah. And it was his throwing shoulder, and he played through it. He played through it. Braxton would get, you know, there was the time he was taken to the hospital and there was really nothing wrong with him. And I know he got a lot of heat for that, but he, I'm, that, that was a big hit. I think he thought there was something wrong with him. So he might not have been, like, as always, as maybe as tough as people wanted him, but, like, he actually would play through pain. I mean, he was tougher, I think, than people thought. He would maybe sometimes overreact when he got, you know, hurt, but, you know, maybe thought he was hurt more than he was but i always point to that orange bowl man his shoulder was shredded yeah and he finished that game and played well and you're right man if, if philly brown doesn't muff that punt they win that game so clemson owned ohio state you know and in spectacular fashion until finally ohio state got their monkey off the back so i think you know alabama is the one in the crosshairs now the problem is it's gonna be tough to knock them out yeah so there you have it hunter johnson will be a swimmer from ohio state that's in the olympics and uh christina clemens a sprinter former ohio state she's in the athletics hall of fame that uh pretty much sums it up for today in the buckeye bulletin up next conference commissioners are trading statements about what's best for college football playoff Ooh, we'll take a deeper dive into that rothman and ice on the fan most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and I feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for A Deeper Dive. Sponsored by United Dairy Farmers. Miss filling up before gas prices went up? Get UDF slow price lock with U-Drive. Chaps and Dave Biddle here on Rothman and Ice getting you through a Monday. And we're going to take a deeper dive into something that I saw starting to develop on Friday. And it was based on the fact that the college football playoff uh, committee, working group, managing group, whatever they call themselves. It's just a group of like athletic directors and uh, conference commissioners, those type of guys. And they, they got together and they were discussing the proposal for the 12-team college football playoff. And they, they voted to, to pass it up the line. There's another board that's above them that's like college football presidents. I don't know why the groups are separated between athletic directors and conference commissioners and presidents i don't whatever it's all bureaucratic stuff but either way it's it's making its way through this opened up the um 
the room for people to start to comment on it. And the first one that came out, this was on Friday. This is outgoing Pac-12 commissioner Larry Scott. So he's sort of in like senior mode, right? I mean, he's like, yeah, whatever. I'll just, I'll just say whatever. And this is the weirdest way to say this. And it just shows how out of touch the Pac-12 is. Like, just use the real terminology. Don't say it like this. Then, uh, so the Pac-12, quote, supports expansion of the college football playoff and believes that the Autonomy Five Champions should annually qualify for the CFP. Autonomy Five Champions is a weird way to say Power Five, which is just an accepted nomenclature for the Big Ten, the Big 12, the ACC, the SEC, and the Pac-12, the Power Five. We all know what they are. We talk about it all season long. We talk about it all the time, especially in regards to the college football playoff. So why he felt the need to say it in Autonomy Five, to me, just stands out as the Pac-12 you know, being out of touch. So that's the first thing that stood out to me. The other one is, well, of course he's saying this, because the Pac-12 is the one that's left out of the four-team playoff, and if you don't give automatic bids to all the Power Five champions, they're going to be the first one that's going to have a chance that their champion doesn't get in. In fact, this past season, if it was in the format of this 12-team format, their champion Oregon would not have made the playoff. It would have been Coastal Carolina and UC making it in front of the Ducks, which would have been right. The, the Ducks weren't even in the top 25 until after they pulled the upset in the Pac-12 title game. So again, he's he's looking out for his conference. I understand that, but it's it's pretty clear what you're doing. It's pretty transparent because I don't think the other conferences are very much in support of that. Yeah, 12 is too many. You know, I get it, and I'll get to, you know, I, I get the reasons, the money. And I knew they were going to expand at some point. Um, and I do like do some like aspects eight? of it. I do like, yeah, I mean, I, I, if I was going to expand, I would just expand to six, but that wouldn't be enough because it wouldn't bring in that much money. It would just be two extra games. I'd give... Um, you know, just like the old NFL system, I have to say, which was like, what, two years ago, um, which they had for years where the top two teams would get a first round buy and, you know, a total of six teams, uh, in each conference in the mm-hmm. NFL, uh, would make the playoffs. That's how I would do it. I have six teams. I feel like if you're not in the top six, uh, after not just the regular season, but now after conference championship games, you know, you can maybe say top eight. You don't deserve to be playing for the national championship. We like to say in college football, every game matters. If you're 12th and you sneak in and you have something that happens, we see it in the NFL where a wild card wins it. But there's much lesser of a margin of error in the NFL. There's much more parity. Games are a lot closer on average. Mm-hmm. So that that makes more sense to me. Baseball, we see it in pro sports all the time. I wouldn't. I would hate to see a team that's 12th. You really should not be have any business being in um, that would win the national championship. I do like some aspects of it though. I do like. That it's giving the top four teams a buy. I like that because you are rewarding that. I also like the idea of the quarterfinals on campus because I've said that would be really cool. Yeah. You know, the higher seed hosts, you know, and if you are Ohio State, you didn't have a great year, <laughs> you know, but you finished fifth, you know, and, and you're hosting the 12 seed in Columbus in, in December outside. Like, how cool would that be, you know, <laughs> literally and figuratively, chops. But, you know, so I do like some aspects of it, and it's going to bring in more money. I knew they were going to expand. I figured it wouldn't be six. I figured it'd be eight. Twelve seems too much to me, but again, I thought it was. I think it was inevitable. It was going to happen. They were going to expand, and I do like the fact that the top four would get a buy, and I do like the quarterfinal game being on campus. That is pretty cool. I don't like the idea for sure of automatic qualifiers for just the Power Five champions, and I'm not even sure if the one they came up with is the right answer to this, where it's the six highest rated conference champions, because six still leads you down a path where there could be a, an outlier who gets in who's you know ranked in the high teens. So I think maybe they should have stuck that number at five so that it's it's catered towards getting the Power Five champions 
in, but it's not a guarantee. If UC is ahead of whoever or whatever, they then then they are the ones who get in. That's the that's the biggest problem with the playoff right now. Everybody argues about oh, if you expand the playoff, it hurts the the importance of the regular season. And there's going to be a little bit of that for the teams that are continually in the playoff. But the problem with the current setup with the four teams is you cannot have a league where a team is supposedly eligible for the postseason. They set up a regular season where they go 12-0 and and then win a 13th game even and win their conference and they go 13-0 and and then they're not invited to the postseason. Then what is the importance of a regular season? If you can win all of the games you lined up and not make it, then there is no importance to the regular season. They're completely nullifying anything you have done on the field. So I do like that there's some sort of automatic qualifier, but again... Maybe they should have capped that off at five instead of six, but that's that's more splitting hairs. I probably would have gone with eight anyways, though. I I, I don't I'm not sure I like the twelve, but you do like the buy, so maybe you actually more are somebody who's for the for the eight. But yeah, the back twelve trying to sneak in there that it should be an automatic qualifier for the power five champions. No, the power five already gets all the T V money, all the all the extra benefits. They already get everything. Let some of these other teams that, if we're being if we're being honest, aren't actually allowed to make the college football playoff, even though we say they are. Give them a path to there. That's all you need is is a team. You just need that carrot out there that there is a path for us to get to the college football playoff. Because here we are, six, seven years in, whatever it is, to the college football playoff, and it's abundantly clear that the group of five teams do not have a path to the college football playoff. And now they will. And I, I do like that. But to, to add to your point, you know, I, I think they're banking on and it's a safe bet that every year there's going to be one group of five champion that is worthy. When you're talking worthy top 20, maybe not. You don't think they really have a chance, but they're like a legit top 20, top 15, hopefully. And top a team 10 you'd team. like to see like, cool. OK, let's see right. them against the, the big boys and see if what they're doing in the, in the Sun Belt can actually hold up. That would be interesting to see Coastal Carolina have to play, I don't know, at Georgia. Georgia or something. Yeah, you know, you know, Central Florida when when Scott Frost was there when they claimed the national championship. Cincinnati in some of these years with Fickle, whoever that is, they're banking on there's going to be one team that like deserves to be in in this new format. But they should have put a stipulation in: you at least have to be in the top twenty five. Because what if there is a year where the best Power Five team is like a team that's like ranked like would be ranked like twenty eighth or thirtieth, mm-hmm. or maybe you say the top twenty. There has to be at least, because then yeah, you know, maybe some probably, sort of there cap probably on is going to be one. Yeah, yeah, there probably is going to be. It's a safe bet. We're talking about the, the group of five. Um, it gives them a seat at the table, and I like that. Now, and, and it's going to definitely give them a seat at the table, even if they're you know even if there's not a team that's ranked in the top twenty. If the highest ranked group of five team is a MAC team that's ranked twenty second, how cool would that be? Let's say Ohio University makes or pick a MAC team that all of a sudden they're the highest ranked group of five team. They're in the college football playoff. How cool would that be? Um, it would have an NCAA feel. So I go back and forth on this. I don't have a huge problem with it because I knew I, I would have bet anything it was going to expand chops. I thought it was going to expand to eight, so they're expanding. And it, it's not official yet, but you know it's going to probably expand to twelve. The way it's rolling, yeah, it sounds it like seems, it seems. Official. It sounds like they're already <laughs> planning to do this in twenty twenty three. Is yeah. really what they're what right. they're looking at. And it, we knew they were going to expand. So if they're going to expand to eight, if they're going to make it twelve instead, and we're going to get the top four teams, then you're rewarding the the original four, so to speak, in the college football playoff. You're, you're getting a first round buy, and that is massive. When you're talking yeah. about twelve teams making, and you get a first round buy. That's huge. And if you happen to be fifth or sixth, well, you get to play the two worst teams that make the college football playoff at your house 
Um, so you're gonna have a huge advantage there. Um, so yeah, it's intriguing. It's intriguing. I don't have a huge problem with it. I would have just kept it at four, but I'm not the one that gets to make extra money out of it. Maybe I'll get to make more bowl trips to cover. So maybe I should be for it. Ooh, there you may, go. Maybe now. Hopefully, Ohio State's just in the top four. But if not, I guess the bowl trip would be here in Columbus. Then the the regular two bowl trips. So I would have kept it. At <laughs> you four, should still make. I'm a, okay with. I'm make okay a pay with for 12. your hotel. Just to spend a week in a hotel here in Columbus. <laughs> get, get the Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> Boss, I'm going to need a hotel room. Wait, don't you live like, like 10 minutes away from the stadium? Yeah, yeah but, but it's too far from the hospitality this suite. This is the college football playoff, though. Exactly. <laughs> so you heard from Larry Scott, Pac-12 commissioner, outgoing Pac-12 commissioner, because they're replacing him with some sort of TV executive who ran a casino or something like that. The Pac-12, they're a mess. Whatever. He wants the Power 5 champions to have automatic qualifiers. But who would have a problem with that? Well, the group of five. AAC commissioner that the American UC won that this year. Mike Oresco with this. That would be an enormous step in the wrong direction from the working group's proposal as far as I'm concerned. The top six conferences without favor is merit-based. It's fair. It doesn't reward privilege for privilege's sake. Exactly. The I, I agree with Oresco on this one. The Power Five is just kind of something we developed and just say and just there's no there's no like real reason why they're the power? I mean, there's a reason why we why we've they're the most powerful five conferences. There's a reason. Yeah, they're but by not, far the most I'm powerful just saying, five conferences. Technically, <laughs> what I mean is, technically, they should. Be, I understand. Yeah, I kind of kind of ran into that, and I didn't. Sorry, I, I, don't I didn't mean formulate make, I, my thought as as well. <laughs> my point is, they're all supposed to be the Division One teams, and I go back to that. If the group of five teams are really eligible for the playoff, then we have to actually make them eligible for the playoff because they haven't done that in the past. And that's unfair because then there's nothing for them. And that's, you know, so right. there's been talk about maybe separate them and maybe that could be a solution, but also expanding the playoff and just giving them a shot because that's all athletes really want to do. It doesn't matter that on paper, yes, of course, it looks like always that Coastal Carolina is nowhere near Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, those kind of teams. But those kids, they don't care. They just want a shot. And you know what? Eventually, one of them will get an upset and we might see one of those teams maybe make the final four and you know, maybe if something crazy happens and there's this quarterback that is just hitting, maybe we see a team make it all the way to the title game. I don't know. We don't know. Sports are unpredictable. Upsets happen. It's probably unlikely, but you still want that chance, and that's what the athletes want. Exactly. I always I did feel bad for the the group of five. It's like you you have no chance at playing for a national championship. Now there's there's certain th- that there's certain things that are your national championship. Like if you make it to like a New Year's Six Bowl and you beat like out like Auburn, which some of them have done, you know, and, and yeah. be like a major. That is your national. And championship. then if you're UCF, you, you, you can just a, claim it's a just national claim championship it after you beat Auburn because they beat all these other teams. Da 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 da. I, I probably would have done the same thing. So I you know that's a thing. You know, I like things about this. I don't like certain things. That is the thing I do like that the, you know, and, and if you're the best group of five team, you're a really good football team. And right. again, I'd put a stipulation in there that you'd have to be a top 20 team. Probably you don't even need to put that in there. They're probably going to be a top 20 team. If you're the best group of five team, I like they have a seat at the table now. One group of five team, if this passes, which as you mentioned, Chops, looks like it's, you know, 99.999% going to pass. I like that they're definitely going to get in now. There will be at they least might, they one group of five team in if this passes. For sure. Yeah. For sure, because they're going to let the top six. If people are just tuning in, they're going to. If this passes, they're going to have the the you know the highest ranked six conference champions. There's only five you know, power five, so that means there's going to be for sure. And there's no stipulations attached to it. There's yep. going to be for sure one group of five team that's going to make the twelve team playoff if this passes. Like I said, yeah, this year it would have been UC and Coastal Carolina making, or I guess last year, however you look at it. I don't. 
I always, when do you flip to the new season? I get, we're in the summer now. I should probably flip to the 2021 season is this year. What do yeah, you say? I, I'm starting to refer, I still say this coming season. Yeah. Just to, but now that we're, I mean, dude, we're like exactly a month away from the start of Big Ten Media Days, which yeah. is really cool. Especially like, once you know, camp I, starts. That's when I'm for sure on this season. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. kind of. Big Ten a, Media Days, too, man. I mean, this is the first time I've been in Chicago in forever, and they didn't even have Big Ten Media Days last year, not even mm-hmm. virtually. In person in Indy this year. If it sounds like I'm looking forward to it, I am. It'll be my first thing, like covering on the road for a while for Ohio State football. You take those things for granted after uh, not doing it for a year and a half it's going to be uh pretty cool having big 10 media days always a cool event to cover you got the uh, every team represented with their head coach and three players and, and then the luncheon with the, the uh with the speeches and everything the- oh kevin warren is going to be hiding as much <laughs> as possible i can't wait to he is going to be hiding as much as you know, jim delaney would be like walking around you kind of kind of get him in the you know a little scrum here and there and you know he'd be walking around kissing babies and shaking hands and Dude, I bet I bet you Kevin Warren is going to be like in the like witness protection well, plan. He's, he's kind of a big guy too. He can't really hide if, if he is out and about. You're right. He just has to be he's like stay in his room. Yeah, yeah. he just has yeah. to be completely hidden yeah. away. So yeah, you've got Big Ten Media Days coming up. I'm interested to see will these commissioners continue to to trade barbs via statements or however they they throw it out there in the media. So that'll definitely be something that will be on the docket for Media Days. Another thing. NIL. And right now, coming up next, we're going to try to figure out what a minimal minimalist plan for NIL means. That's what I'm hearing they're tossing around. Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. If the sound of another man slammed against plexiglass turns you on, you've come to the right place. Proud to be your home for Jackets Hockey. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. They're both former athletes. For a reason. Good thing they can talk sports. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. The Signature Cabinetry Fan Golf Classic presented by Delta Dental of Ohio and Logan AC and Heat Services takes place Monday, July 12th at Kinsale Golf and Fitness Club. It all benefits the Buckeye Crews for Cancer and the James Cancer Hospital. Register your foursome now at 971thefan.com. Uh, do I have to get into golf now? I Because I, I, I told you we just moved into the house. I mowed the lawn yesterday. That felt like a very dad thing to do on Father's Day. I don't have a kid, but I have a lawn now. So that's sort of like halfway there, probably the easier part. But either way, I feel like now, do I have to get into golf? I don't like it. I've I've played like only like three times in my life. Are you a golfer? No, I mean, you know, I've golfed more than you have, but not like, I'm definitely not a golfer. For a while there, I'd golf like, uh, maybe. Did you ever golf at Rolandia's uh, par three course? Of course I have. (laughs) Didn't every kid growing up in Dayton and I golf there right um yeah absolutely um that's my type of course right there i used to golf like three maybe four times a year two now man if i golf like one time a year it might be an upset but i you know i have found i I have found myself following along a little more um you know on tv with uh, some of the golf it helps to put a little couple dollars down i didn't do well on that yesterday (laughs) i put a couple on colin morikawa before it all started uh he was getting crazy odds i got him at like plus like 2800 i'm thinking he could make a little run here uh didn't go well i didn't but I, I, when I bet on stuff like that, I'll put like just like a couple bucks on it just to have something on, especially if you're getting crazy odds like that, just to make it more interested. So, 
No, not a big golfer, but find myself as I get older being more into watching golf, which I, as a kid, man, I was like so into watching sports. I used to, I used to even say to my dad, like, how can you watch golf on TV? I didn't get it. I needed something more exciting. I even watched baseball. So I don't know what I was talking about, but, <laughs> but even as a diehard Reds fan, I could not sit down and just watch a Reds game from start to finish. I have to have music on, be on the computer, yeah. combination of three. I cannot just sit. And I'm a diehard Reds fan. It's just, you know, they got to do something about the shift and everything else they're doing. I, that still wouldn't do it. I mean, baseball still has its boring moments. Uh, but no, man, not a not a huge golf fan. Baseball, golf, and soccer are like the perfect nap sports. You can put it on and you can watch it when you're awake and, and it's nice, but you can kind of, you know, close the blinds up, lay down on the couch. If you fall asleep, it's perfect background. It's usually pretty light, fair. It's not getting too loud or too crazy at any moment. So those three, you can all, those are perfect. I love when the World Cup is on. Throw that on in the summer. You come in from outside. It's really hot. Throw on the World Cup and yeah, take a snooze if you need to. Yeah, and, and what's funny, like hopefully we'll actually be in the World Cup next year, and it's actually going to be in fall because it's instead of it being a uh, uh, hundred like an eighty in Cutter in yeah. November, it's only like a hundred and thirty, I think. So they're <laughs> they're moving it to like November of twenty twenty two, which so I've, I keep getting more into soccer as as the years go on. Are they going to call we, it the we correct this, year? We have this young like, group of superstars, budding budding superstars. I'll call they're not superstars yet, budding superstars for the United States men's national team. Just gives them a couple extra months to. Develop, which when you're that young, you know that helps. So I, I'm bullish on this team. They just beat Mexico and um, the tournament they were in for the uh, they, for the championship. So yeah, man. Hopefully we actually make it. That did that kind of sucked the last time not making it. We're gonna make it. And then November of 22. But, but you know, I don't know if, if soccer. What I like about soccer, that game is over in two hours. Yes. You, you know, know baseball when, is a good nap sport. You're right. Oh, wait, uh, do the Reds do anything? Oh, yeah, they gave up. Their bullpen gave up 13 runs. Okay, yeah, okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm going back to sleep. Um, college, college conference commissioners, they're pushing a minimalist plan to regulate NIL. So I think that's actually good news for the players, from my understanding, is that they're trying to not have too much going on with it and make it a little more open for the players. So a group of commissioners, including Greg Sankey of the SEC, Jim Phillips of the ACC, and Larry Scott of the Pac-12 are urging their colleagues to consider a new and minimalist approach to regulating soon-to-arrive marketplace or college athlete endorsement deals according to a letter obtained by ESPN. The letter says, previous proposals to change NCAA rules will lead to inevitable confusion, uncertainty, and likely litigation against the NCAA and its member conferences and institutions. So yeah, that's true. The more restrictions you put on it, the more iffy stuff, the more difficult it's just going to be for people to navigate it. And it shouldn't be. And I hope they don't try to go down that road where they try to make it intentionally difficult. And then some players might just like, yeah, just not even bother with it as much because it's just so difficult and things get passed on, things get passed over that could be opportunities for these players. So I like that idea that, yeah, there should be some oversight. And they cite like, yeah, you don't want, you know, the, the kids advertising for things that the universities don't want to be somewhat associated with or, or things like that. And that even even goes into professional leagues that they have stuff like that there's i don't think like any football players in the nfl can can uh advertise for alcohol or anything like that which is pretty hypocritical if you're being honest because the the nfl like loves to advertise beer but the player can't actually promote it himself but whatever either way it goes so yeah there, there can be some regulations but i think that would be the nice ways to open it up because the thing about these laws that strikes me as so odd is that these laws aren't making 
you uh, having endorsements legal. As a United States citizen, as anybody, you're allowed to do that. You, it's The laws are saying the NCAA can't punish you for doing that, which is why the NCAA dragging their feet on this is so weird and so stupid because all they have to do, laws don't even have to be involved. All they have to do is change their rules because... It's already legal for these kids to do this. It's just illegal against the NCAA. So all the NCAA has to do is change the rules. And that doesn't have to go through Congress or voting or anything. They can just change the rules. Do it, NCAA. Stop dragging your feet. Yeah, I'm with you. The, the whole thing, I have no idea how it's going to turn out, but I am fascinated, Chops, to see how it's going to turn out. I mean, this is the Wild West. You can use any, you know, any cliche you want, but it's going to be like that. We, we don't know exactly how this is going to turn out. But man, it's going to be fascinating to see. And, you know, the, the bill that was written, uh, that's in the Ohio Senate, I believe now, maybe it's in the Ohio House. I believe it was written by a senator. So then it would have to be passed the Senate, then pass the House or vice versa. Um, that has some interesting stipulations in it where, you know, athletes can profit off their name, image, and likeness, but they can't do it if it's for tobacco, alcohol, um, weed. It can't be like a, you know, for like strip clubs or like anything like that. So that's interesting. Now, some people have said, well, good luck. That, that'll be illegal, and, and lawyers will jump in and have a field day with that. So that's another aspect of it. Well, even because the then stipulations they come up with, are they even going to be legal? Yeah, because yeah. it makes sense for the and you know professional players because they have a collectively bargained agreement and they they work together and there's a union and there's you know you're signing a contract. Now the you know you sign your letter of intent and that's sort of a contract, but it's really just for the scholarship. It's not an, an employment agreement, which then has you know code of conduct and stuff like that. And I guess the schools could try to push those code of conduct, but based on the way that that went with like uh, wasn't weren't they trying to push something with that with like COVID and everybody was like don't don't do that. We can't have that. They don't want any more legal documents or anything that can be passed as a legal document involved with these college athletes. Oh, the waiver? More, You're talking about the yes, waiver? Yes. Yes. More that than was not, it has that was to not be. Gonna be. Yeah, that was interesting because that was not going to be legally binding. That mm-hmm. was just something. And at Ohio State, guess who started that idea? The players themselves. Like they were not everybody was like Ohio State as we learned, but the players like all wanted to play. Yeah. Josh Myers was like, listen, if we have to sign a waiver like saying we're not going to sue the university, we're willing to do it. We want to play. We're willing to take the risks. We're getting tested all the time. Though obviously at the time we didn't have the vaccine. They were willing to do whatever they could. I mean, Buckeye fans, I'm sure you already do. If you don't appreciate what Josh Myers and Justin Fields and all these guys, Sean Wade and Sean Wade's dead, if you don't appreciate what they did, you should. I know it was a condensed season. We all wish they would have played the full season, but Ohio State, especially their players and coaches, did everything in their power and it should make you so proud if you're a Buckeye fan. Yeah, so that all just goes back to the point that the NCAA and universities don't want any more legal documents surrounding these players than they should because the more documents you have them sign the closer it becomes to an employment agreement and i don't think they are you know even with the whatever the you know the supreme court knocked down today they don't want to get too close to that they still want them to be student athletes but they they are getting the hardest working show in the business or at least at this station in their time slot this is rothman and ice very hard working here today on a Monday. Chaps and Dave Biddle sitting in with you on Rothman and Ice. We're going to head out to the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline and talk to Patrick Murphy, somebody who knows Biddle quite well. Patrick, how you doing today? I'm doing good. How about you guys? Good. Patrick's the Ohio State beat writer for Bucknuts. So the big story last week for Ohio State uh, on the beat and really here in Columbus because everybody was at the airport, and I'm going to try this name, the big visit of JT Tuimoluau. Close enough. 
Uh, for now, I'm I'm really trying. I'm I'm trying to say it like once a day. Tui Molo Al. Tui Molo Al. There we go. I'm closer. I'm trying to say it once a day and get it down. Last week, that had everybody buzzing. What did you hear about his stay in Columbus, and do you care to make a prediction on his commitment? Well, first of all, here's a, a pro tip. JTT works really well for... But then uh, I think Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and I'm thinking home improvement. Yeah. yeah, we're talking Ohio State football. I think most people will get it. But to answer your question, uh, it sounds like from, from everything we've heard, that the visit went really well, which I don't think is a surprise. You know, High State's obviously been in the running here for, you know, from, from very early on in this recruitment. He's one of the top players in the country, obviously the last player available um, in terms of top-ranked prospects. So you knew the Buckeyes were going to roll out the red carpet. Obviously people saw uh, the whole coaching staff at the airport wearing Hawaiian shirts and stuff. So it's no surprise um, from, from what I understand this weekend was – very much about showing him what he could do at Ohio State, both on the field and, you know, with, with the new NIL laws um, that, that we think are rules that we, th- we believe are going to get passed here. Ohio State held their job fair on Friday. Um, what, if that's a coincidence, I would be surprised because that shows him all the companies that come out to talk to these Buckeye players that, you know, can help you you know, right now after football, but eventually, you know, you'll be able to do endorsement deals with some of these companies. So, you know, they really rolled out the red carpet as you would expect um, from, from what we heard from what our Brandon Huffman, who covers the West coast recruiting things went very well. Um, but there's two more visits. JTT's out at uh, Oregon this week and then, or for these next few days. And then he had Alabama. And as I'm sure Buckeye fans know, letting Nick Saban get the last crack at a prospect is, is always tough, but Ohio state put, put itself in a very good position here. And, and I think you should be uh, sitting feeling all right if you're a Buckeye fan right now. Yeah. The way I would handicap this is Ohio State, as you mentioned, Patrick, did everything they could. And it sounds like he knew he was going to have a good time. And he said he had a, you know, an, an even better time than what he expected. And he had a very high bar set. But I would warn Buckeye fans, I, I would you know hope for the best, prepare for the worst. If I had to guess right now, Especially with Saban getting the last word and everything that's happened, <laughs> Henry Toe Toe, you know, you name it. I just feel like I feel like he's probably going to pick Alabama. I hope I'm wrong. The Buckeyes have a lot going for them. He loves Larry Johnson. The, the way they've developed linemen here. He was high school teammates with G. Scott Jr. He loved his visit. Haskell Garrett um, did a great job as his host. I know he loves Ohio State. I just feel like if I had to bet, the Buckeyes are going to finish close second here. This is supposed to be positive thoughts, Biddle. Positive vibes only. Sorry. Pat, talk. And I think that I just think that's the norm to think, right? Especially when you have a, a program like Alabama, who's done so well, um, you know, both recruiting and on the field. It's probably the only program in you know the last decade or so that is is better than Ohio State in both of those facets. Um, so you know, I think that that's a natural fear, um, and I think it's le- I think it's legit. You know, I think to warn that this is going to be um, you know a tough one to win, but you know, I think Ohio with what Ohio State did with the you know, prospects that they had on campus with the guys that they put them with. You mentioned Haskell Garrett. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what else Ohio State could have done given the situation. So, you know, um, I think that this commitment or this recruitment has been, you know, pretty kept close to the vest with JTT. Um, you know, he hasn't talked a lot to and to a lot of people. So, you know, to know exactly what he wants and what he's looking for is, is tough to say. Uh, you know, I mean, ultimately, with all these kids, it comes down to them trying to get the best situation available. And Ohio State can only do what they can do. And I think, you know, it, we'll see what happens. But I, again, I think Ohio State really did a good job. And, you know, if, if he ends up at Alabama, I don't think it's a fault of the Buckeyes on his visit. 
All right, so we talked about JTT, but what about a guy who's already here? <laughs> there you go. Who's you know pretty much just as highly ranked, and he's going to be on the the outside of the defensive end rotation. Jack Sawyer, how much do you expect to see him play this year? How much in the rotation do you think he's going to be? Well, based on what we saw in the spring game, I expect him to uh, to factor in for sure. Obviously, that's a small window, and you know we didn't get to see as much of spring practice as we would have liked. Though more than I anticipated, um, but you know this is a kid who's uber talented and you know fits in the mold of you know some of the, the defensive ends that have come through here and, and moved on to the NFL recently and the Bosa brothers, Chase Young, um, you know, and I think you look at look at look at their careers. All those guys got opportunities early on, and I think that uh, Sawyer will as well, um, you know, and especially you look at the production from the defensive ends last year. Good, not great. They've talked in the spring that that needs to get better, that they need to get to the quarterback and you know, get more sacks and things like that. So, you know, if you have a guy who, like I said, in the spring game was doing just that. Now, again, it was, you know, you can only touch the quarterback, but, you know, he finished with three sacks, you know, at least he's getting there. So I think that there's certainly something to that. And, you know, I expect him to be used in that rotation. Larry Johnson does such a great job with those guys. You know, it's hard to question him. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely expect Buckeye fans to see Sawyer playing early and often this year. At quarterback, I mean, I know your answer. You and I have done the podcast many times. We both think it's going to be C.J. Stroud. I mean, you know, talk about that a little bit. And furthermore, more importantly, what do you expect out of C.J. Stroud? Not next year, this season as a first-year starter. If he's the starter, what do you expect out of him? Yeah, the one thing that keeps coming up when I when I think about these quarterbacks is just how much C.J. Stroud reminds me of Justin Fields. And it's it's just the way he moves, the way he interacts with guys. You know, I noticed it a lot during the spring game. And then even just kind of being around – in these recruiting camps these last few weeks, he's been there a lot. We've seen them kind of off to the side, him working with receivers, and, and Kyle McCord's been there, and a lot of guys have been there. Um, but he just, everything he does reminds me a lot of Justin Fields. Now, obviously a very different situation, Justin Fields coming to Ohio State, starting his second year, he at least played, and played in some big games at Georgia, um, even though he was a backup. C.J. Stroud didn't really have that opportunity other than coming in for one play against Clemson in terms of a big game atmosphere. So, you know, I think the expectations should be lowered a little bit for a a first-year starter. But I think C.J. Stroud is very talented. Obviously, the weapons around him are going to be, you know, as as good as anywhere in the country. So I expect some pretty big things this year. And and if I'm wrong, if we're wrong, Dave, and it's one of the other quarterbacks, I've been impressed with all three of them. You know, I I think all three of these guys have the ability to start. And like I said, the weapons are going to make – whoever's there, as long as they can get these guys the ball, pretty successful. Especially Kyle McCord. Just real quick, Chops. I just want to throw that in there. I know you want to get a question. I think Kyle McCord, nothing against Jack Miller. I think if anybody is going to unseat C.J. Stroud or if C.J. Stroud wins the job and gets hurt, I think it's going to be Kyle McCord. Just one last follow-up for me. It's still on the quarterback uh, situation there, Patrick. We're talking to Patrick Murphy of Bucknuts on the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. Uh, real quick, what is your gut feeling on when they're going to make the decision? I don't want another players don't know until we're entering the huddle in Blacksburg, Virginia type deal. Yeah, I don't see that happening uh, in this situation. Um, I do think that Ryan Day wants to get in there and, and give it a little bit more of a quarterback competition and kind of see all three of these guys after they've had the summer to continue to work and work out and all of those things. Uh, but I think you want to do it with, with a, at least probably a week, maybe a couple weeks before the season starts to really establish this is our guy. I think the players probably already have a pretty good sense just from watching them in practice and you know seeing who steps up as, as the leader. But, um, yeah, I don't think you want to get too close to the season. I don't think that worked 
when Urban Meyer did it. And I think Ryan Day, being a quarterback coach, obviously in the NFL and in college, has a good sense of, of how to handle that. So I expect it to be maybe early in fall camp, but definitely a week or so uh, before the season gets going so they have time to kind of establish yourself as a quarterback. Well, there you know it. He knows his stuff. He's Patrick Murphy. Thanks for joining us today. All right. Thanks, guys. Patrick of Bucknuts appearing courtesy of the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. NFL two-minute drill up next on Rothman and Ice right here on The Fan. Man and Bone have a simple philosophy for their show. Talk some sports, have some laughs, and get very fat. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekdays at 3. The Fan. It's time for the NFL two-minute drill. Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop snoring and start sleeping now. Visit sleepbettercolumbus.com today. NFL two-minute drill time here on Rothman and Ice. Chops and Dave Biddle sitting in with you today. Biddle will be back tomorrow. I'll be with Jensen Lewis Wednesday through Friday as Rothman and Ice are out doing, I don't know, getting ice cream or something, whatever they're up to. As far as the uh, two-minute drill goes, I saw this with Tom Brady. So there's been a promo posted for the uh, the shop, Uninterrupted, on HBO, which is where the you know the athletes get together. LeBron James is involved. They sit around in the barbershop, and they, they talk about things and they what's going on. And in this promo, Brady's clearly talking about his leaving New England. Where's he going to go? What team's he gonna he's gonna do and in this unnamed nfl franchise and i'm not sure if it's gonna be unnamed when the episode airs but it's unnamed in the promo he goes one of the teams they were interested they were interested at the very end i was thinking you're sticking with that (laughs) blank blanker um so tom brady with some choice words for whoever it is but now i really want to know who the team was here on pro football talk they're speculating was it the 49ers because there was a lot of rumors he wanted to get back out to california you know where he's from get out to san francisco play for them and uh i I feel like he wouldn't say that about jimmy garoppolo because while they new england and tom brady and jimmy garoppolo had like a weird thing going he's never really expressed that he personally didn't like garoppolo yeah, but you know how Brady is, though, mm. and this what makes him great. Like, Belichick basically at one point behind closed doors, not publicly, picked Garoppolo over yeah. Brady. I mean, ESPN did a great piece on this. Um, Don Vanatta and Seth Wickersham, I believe was his name, they, they did a dual byline. They laid it all out about, um, and, you know, Belichick denies this publicly, of course, but, you know, like he wouldn't. Um, I can see Brady having some, like, maybe not even animosity, just like, Kind of like Jordan that and guy Pippen. again. Kind of like Jordan <laughs> and Pippen with, with with like Ku Coach. You know, even a Ku Coach like they got along with them. Just the fact that Jerry Krause was so in love with Tony Ku Coach, they were like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna make his life hell here in the Olympics." <laughs> so, um, yeah, I could see Brady doing that. The the uber competitive. I, I just they beat to a different drum. I, I could see Brady having animosity toward Garoppolo, even though it wasn't Garoppolo's fault. All right, here's something I'm seeing. I don't know if I'm buying this though. So okay. Justin Fields is all cool with. The Chicago Bears, as I saw this on ESPN, the Chicago Bears are saying Andy Dalton's going to be, you know, the starter to begin. I mean, maybe he will for a week or three. Chops, I don't know how you feel about this. I feel like it's inevitable. I know my Andy Dalton pretty well. I know my Justin Fields pretty well too. I have followed both of these quarterbacks closely. Um, and listen, Andy Dalton's not a scrub. You know, we can make fun of him. You know, I call him. You know, people call him the Red Rifle. I call him the Ginger Pellet Gun. We can make fun of him. You know, because there is a lot to make fun of. He's not a scrub, though. He's had some really good years. He's a solid NFL quarterback. But, man, Justin Fields, it's a matter of time, as, even as a rookie, that he is going to start. In my opinion, I don't think it's going to take that long. But Justin Fields is saying all the right things, and I do like that. 
Yeah, I like that Justin. I mean, what else is he supposed to do? He's a rookie quarterback. He's still and he's still learning. He's got some things to improve to step up to his NFL game. But it just seems like for the long term benefit of the Bears, it makes more sense. And that's what I think this is. I think it's Matt Nagy trying to control his job for hopefully another year because Andy Dalton probably does put the Bears in the best situation to win at least early. We'll see as the development goes on. There's still a whole training camp. Then you get into weeks of the season for Justin Fields. But he's saying all the right things, and the, I just don't understand why Matt Nagy is so like unflinching. Like, he's our QB1. Justin Fields is our second-string quarterback. Like, just say, yeah, it's sort of up for a competition, but right now we're, we're Andy Dalton is is ahead of them because, yeah, he's the veteran, so that makes sense. But it's just so weird how, like, uh, attached to Andy Dalton being QB1 he is. How about this? Another bangle for you, former bangle. A.J. Green, uh, he's pretty happy to be pairing with uh, DeAndre Jordan out, or DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Jordan's a basketball player. DeAndre Hopkins out uh, in Arizona. He, uh, in a recent appearance on the On the Fly podcast, he said he's never played with a guy like that. And he says it's not going to be a problem, though, with them trying to share the ball or anything. Quote, we don't have no egos. You have two guys in there like that in a room it's going to be unbelievable we feed off each other so there you go aj green excited to play with somebody like that do you agree with his assessment that he's never had another guy across the field from him uh with the Bengals that could have compared to i mean deandre hopkins is a pretty hard comp but he's had some good guys lined up with him right oh for sure i agree with him and he's had some really good receivers you know like tyler boyd and others but like you know now he almost has like his equal across his equal in his prime aj green looked like he was headed for a hall of fame career he was putting those numbers up his first seven years in the pro bowl each of his first seven years in the league and the guy is was headed for with andy dalton right he was with andy dalton exactly they came in the same year they started right away aj green as a rookie made it made it the next six years telling you going to that eighth year when he got hurt in training camp he was headed for the hall of fame so yeah i completely agree with him he's never had anybody like deandre hopkins um lining up next to him on the opposite side of the field and that's going to be a fun offense to watch all right here's another one i'm getting this from colin coward he's been talking about this i think for the last like you know five hours or so aaron Rodgers has renewed his country club membership at this elite green bay country club and what does that say why would now money to him he really likes the gonna, cheese curds play, they have he's there. He's planning on coming in. He's planning on coming in for like one time, and even if he doesn't, I think he, he'd probably be able to survive the blow. Um, without, <laughs> without, even if he doesn't play once, but maybe this is saying that he's okay. I've proven my point. I'm going to come back. I still don't think he's coming back, but he's renewed his membership at the local country club in Green Bay for what it's worth. Yeah, I just don't think he wants to play for the Packers ever again. So I think I he'll either. play football again. I don't know if it'll be this year. The Packers could be really vindictive about it and hold on to him and not trade him until you know later in the season or after the season or whatever it might be but i just don't think he's going to show up to green bay real quick sean McVay, uh he's a fan of matthew stafford he says he's even better than advertised but i like this the first part of it bro this dude's a bad mf mcvay said so they're apparently excited uh, about matthew stafford and i i don't I don't feel like that's just lip service. I don't think he would lead it off that strong if it was just coach speak lip, lip service about, oh, I like the, the starting quarterback. So it looks like the, the Rams might have a guy in Matthew Stafford. We know what he's capable of, but can he do it finally on a winning team? We'll see this year out in L.A. It's going to be fun to see. That could be a, a loaded team. Jared Goff is hearing those comments like, really, man? Come on. <laughs> right. Uh, so there you have it. That's Rothman and Ice. Biddle and I will be back tomorrow. Con Man and T-Bone will take you through the rest of the afternoon right here on The Fan.